Yeah, well, honestly, Bob, I don't think it's a, a big issue, and pardon the pun, but as long as you don't have a ruler around um, anytime soon, I don't think it... Oh, shit, we're live! Oh, Bear with the fans, God. go! <laughs> Welcome to the Bear Weather Fans Podcast, the only Bears podcast you're listening to right now. You're joined by your hosts, me, Patrick, and Coach Bob. And welcome to the Bear Weather Fans Podcast. Welcome to the Bear Weather Fans Podcast, your favorite podcast. <laughs> Talking right now is Patrick, and of course, joined is my partner in crime, my co-host, the most who can't coast, Coach Bob. How are we doing? Oh, fantastic. Thanks for having me again, Patrick. Oh, always. Uh, so we're here to talk about this team known as the Chicago Bears and a certain QB, if I have this right, Justin Fields. I'm not sure. Uh, I, I don't know that far down the depth chart, Patrick. Um, sure. I only know the Red Rocket because I'm looking at him right now. But oh, so I do. I do want to have a segment we should probably get to. Um, yeah, so there is a segment I want to do called "Let's Say Nice Things About Andy Dalton" uh, because I feel like he deserves it. Um, so you know what? Let's make this a segment right now. Um, nice things about Andy Dalton. <laughs> So I wanted to start and say that Andy Dalton is my personal hair idol. Both beard, uh, haircut, uh, all that stuff. He's fantastic. He he certainly rocks the red hair, loud and proud, and he makes it work. I mean... Yes, sir. I, like, the only redhead that I know that is more attractive than him is you, Patrick. <laughs> Fair, yeah. Um, probably in similar shape too, I, I think. Yeah, well, you're more uh, fit. That's probably why you're more attractive. Right. Uh, I have one more working me, or at least somewhat. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, no, I mean, he's got the look going. Um, I, I mean, in terms of compliments, I will say uh, I thought he, first of all, I thought he played great in game two. I mean, not just box score. He passed the eye test and the box score. I don't remember exactly what he was, but it was something like very high completion percentage, like 80%. Uh, touchdown, marching the Bears down the field, looking good. And then um, he he looked a whole lot like me when I hurt myself. I don't know how many times you watched that replay of his uh, knee injury, but uh, it looked like nothing happened at all. And that's how my injuries are now. Like, the older I get, it's like, oh, something just doesn't feel right. And, like, I'm not saying that it's a fake injury. I actually think it's a real injury. What I'm saying is mm. you didn't have to have, like, a gruesome, your knee busted out to be like, oh, like, it just hurts. Like, we've talked about this. If I just lay down wrong, I'm hurt. So, like, I get it. And it's real. <laughs> but, um, yeah. yeah, it certainly didn't look gruesome, um, not to discredit the injury, but... Uh, but he handled it all super well. Like the way he went to the tent, the way he got back in the game, the way he like handed the reins over to Justin Fields and like really tried to pump him up and the way he cheered him on when he had some success on the field, all really, really cool things to go along with playing really well in that game. Yeah, I totally agree. And, uh, for our, uh, noble listeners, the big fans who have been listening to every episode, we were jumping around a little bit in structure, but I thought it was important to get the segment out of the way. 
because Andy Dalton is a really nice guy, and we're probably not going to talk about him a whole lot more, and probably never will again, uh, if we're lucky. Fingers crossed. But hey, Andy, I know you're listening. Uh, you're a great guy, and we're so happy to have you from the sideline. Um, so Yeah, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, great hair, though. So, this is the Bear Weather Fans Podcast. The structure of the show, typically, is we get into kind of the week's news. We talk about this week in Bears history. We look at where we were this exact week in previous Bears seasons, kind of see how we stack up in terms of what happened. Uh, then we have the Game Awards. We have a few that are pretty special this week. We're going to get into the game recap, talk about what happened this past game. Uh, this is after week two, the win against the Bengals. Um, and then we're going to kind of break down by position, how each player stacked up, and what we would see going through to the next game. Uh, then we're going to do the segment Going Deep, where we look ahead and see how we're going to do. And I want to throw in a hot take segment. I want to hear Coach Bob's hottest of hot takes. Um, so that's going through. But let's start off a uh, little basic one. This week in Bears history. Uh, let's see. So 2020, this exact week, if you look back just one year ago, uh, every single score was on a broken play. And that was uh, <laughs> an alarming thing that ended up kind of showcasing how the play calling was going to be, where Nagy didn't totally know how to scheme a QB. And uh, Allen Robinson uh, was sucking for some reason. And uh, I, I wrote a, actually an article, I think two or three weeks ago, talking about how he started really slow last season. He just like uh, caused, I think, three interceptions in the first two weeks and had a bunch of drops and like any contested ball that normally Allen Robinson made his name on being a 50-50 ball winner. Uh, he was getting bodied off by like no no name cornerbacks. So stuff like that was like, oh no, and that ended up being kind of how the season went. Uh, although Allen Robinson got better, obviously, but um, so that was 2020. You know, the only scores were on broken plays. So just seeing. Uh, designed plays that we had scores on and like success on offense was really kind of exciting for me. Um, another, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. In 2009 was uh, Cutler's second game. So we talked about his first game on a Bears uniform uh, was when he threw, I think, four interceptions against the Packers. Uh, and that was terrible. Um, and then 2009 was the second game against the Steelers. And that was uh, less ter- terrible. Um, so... It just goes to show we ended up winning 17-14. Uh, and it was kind of similar to this game in some ways where, you know, it wasn't like an overwhelming win, but there was good defense. And uh, we had the quarterback where it's like, okay, this is starting to look like what we hope he is. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know that you can count on too many wins at 17 points in the NFL. But uh, <laughs> it's good they got it, you know, 10 years ago or 12 years ago. And um I mean, the offense didn't score 17 points this week, um, Ooh. right? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Or was it 17? It yeah. was uh, 2017. Yeah. 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 So they didn't score 17. They scored 13. <laughs> Good call. Yeah. And then the uh, <laughs> special teams. And then Roquan, Roquan scored. Yeah. yeah. Roquan <laughs> scored uh, seven on defense. <laughs> God, that was awesome. Did you hear that was his first touchdown since high school? That's insane. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I thought of some uh, Brian Erlacher comparison stats while I was watching that. I feel like I've heard some stuff, and yeah, you can take this uh, this statistic to the bank as it's likely completely false. But it was something like Brian Erlacher was one of the first 
linebackers to have five interceptions and five sacks in the same season or something like that. Cause it's, it's crazy like to get that many picks as a linebacker. Um, but Roquan seems to fit that bill, both sacking the quarterback and getting interceptions. Um, and you certainly can't extrapolate through two games, but he has at least a sack and an interception already. So uh, with a 17 game season, it doesn't look impossible to do the same thing of going five and five there. No, it's man, it's so exciting. And this isn't even, uh, they're not even at full power. Um, oh, yeah, I know. when Eddie Goldman gets back someday, if he if he is still alive, if he's out there, Eddie, if you're listening, um, we just miss you. Uh, but yeah, if Eddie Goldman comes back, that'll be huge, and the defense is starting to gel under uh, Desai. So yeah, God, Roquan is has been criminally underrated, I think, last season and this season, seeing him come up and just starting to show like no i'm actually very good at football i don't know if you knew it's really cool yeah 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 um so that's kind of this week in bears history of no i think it's fun to look back on cutler's first few games as we kind of get with a another new talented quarterback of first round talent um yeah cutler threw 27 to 38 for 236 yards two touchdowns no interceptions that game although he was sacked twice um <laughs> but yeah it's uh I don't know, man. It's exciting times. I know we will end up talking about Justin Fields and could for days at a time. Um, but before we get to him, oh yeah, of course we have the Bear Weather Fan uh, Game Awards, the coveted Bear Weather Fan Awards. Look, everyone knows them. I'm sure you've been to our awards ceremony we have every year. Um, I think Elton John was at the last one. But anyway, that big red carpet event. Right, right, right. Yeah. So uh, anyway, Bear Weather Fan Awards. Bear with the fan awards. <laughs> so <laughs> the first award. Now this is actually kind of exciting. This is the first Bear with fan award given to a non-bear player, and this is the Ben Roethlisberger Award Award for Excellence in Flopping. Um, and this goes oh to my <laughs> god, the Joe Burrow flop. Absolutely. Oh my god, I was so offended that they threw that flag. You can. Man, they showed the slow motion replay too, and you can see him like looking forward. And of course, a quarterback is good at um, kind of looking off a play. So his if his uh, face is going straight ahead, his eyes are looking out, looking for um, yeah the rusher to come in. He's walking out of bounds, and then he just nudges towards. Like it's so blatant what he's doing. It's so bad. That was horrible. I, I like I obviously huge homer for the Bears. Yeah. I think that's a horrible late hit call. Um, I think it was on Quinn. Mm-hmm. I don't even think he, like, I don't even think he, like, put his arm up. I don't think he did anything. No. Um, he just had Joe Burrow kind of, like, lean into him and then collapse to the ground. Um, I mean, like, so I'm a former soccer player. I know you're a former soccer player. And the, uh, you know, the rap we get is the soft, you know, the the grass fairy whatever because of the <laughs> right. calls and like the you know the laying on the ground and then you're actually fine yeah and I've always not been a fan of that also but like you know I get where it comes from like you need to draw the call in soccer because the game might be one zero and you need to get that goal scoring opportunity whatever oh my god the fact that that flop I mean that flop was all time football flop like if there was a flopping penalty it would have been he would have earned it. It, it was outrageous. Um, I was 
appalled that they called it, and it made me because I haven't watched too much of Joe Burrow. He's only like twelve games into his NFL career. Right. He went like straight up to like my shit list. I fucking hate him now. Like such a <laughs> shit. Like it's fine if he's a competitor or whatever. Like you know, one of those guys where you go, oh, I would love to have him on my team, but shithead. Oh, I'm not not a fan. 100%. Like it, it's the same vein as like Grayson Allen. Like just the like nemesis for everybody else. Little NBA reference there, but no. Ah, I hate him. Such a shitty move. Yeah, it's uh it's so infuriating and it's just like for a sport that was criticized for a while for being like so meatbally and like old school like meathead tough guy to then see something like that happen and then feeling that meatball in me rise up like these kids are soft it's like i I understand where it comes from now um but it was so infuriating and yeah like you said robert quinn like he wasn't even there was an arm up he was just taking up space in his like direct walk to the sideline and uh of course burrow knows how to milk it but um it reminded me i I guess to his credit um do you remember like 2000 is your 2018 Maybe in 2019. I think it was the end of 2018. Uh, Nagy had some uh, asinine trick play where they're showing the special teams unit on the field on a fourth down. And then, like, once the opposing team special unit, special teams unit went out, he did that, like, fake call where then he sends the offense back out to try and trick them. And uh, in the commotion, Charles Leno just decks a referee. I think it was Charles Leno. I'm not bad Bobby Massey. But when the lineman, uh, lineman just, yeah. like, just demolishes a referee... And, like, if you look, see the clip of the referee, he flies like a ragdoll. But Charles Leno didn't even see him. He's just a person moving a straight line, taking up space. And, like, NFL, especially linemen, are just so powerful that they are, like, the juggernaut. They just, like, crash through everything. So I'll give him a tiny little sliver of credit. Of like, yeah, you know, if uh, if Robert Quinn tried to walk through me, I probably would flop too. Um, but still, like, come on, dude, that's so, like, you know exactly what you're doing. Yeah, I guess I'm with you, except, like, here's the piece where I think it's also, like, just so wrong, is um, there's contact just out of bounds. Not that, the, like, whatever. There's contact just out of bounds that's acceptable, so long as it's not excessive when two guys are running in the same direction. In this case, that was exactly the situation. And um, when it's a running back, wide receiver, it's all completely acceptable. You can even like shove them like right when they're stepping out of bounds because it was a quarterback. It was a penalty. And that was clearly why it was a flag. And the part that bothers me is he established himself as a runner. He didn't give himself up. I mean, yes, he like stepped out just like the lineman did again. The like, there's no way that contact was excessive. Now I will say at the same time, because I watched the play live and I like, I watched him, and I was like, this is going to be scummy. I just, I could feel it. I was like telling myself, if I'm Robert Quinn, you just, you have to miss him knowing he's baiting a foul because like it's fourth and 15. Like he's just trying to get a drive extender. But like, yeah, like my thought is, is that a penalty if it's a running back? And if the answer is no, there's no reason it should be a penalty when it's a quarterback that is running. Like right. as as horrible as this sounds, like if it's Lamar Jackson, yeah. he's not getting that call. I was just going to say, like I feel like there's an element that uh, maybe I'm not qualified to address, but yeah, it's like yeah, Cam Newton not getting that call. Like nope. so, yeah, 
So why is Joe Burrow getting the call? Just because he dropped his legs out. He like literally stopped having legs. If you notice how he fell, he literally fell straight down because he just <laughs> collapsed to the ground. Yeah. He didn't get blown up. He literally just fell straight down because he stopped using his legs. It's like in the I mean, Matrix where they get unplugged and the person in the Matrix just like drops down like a rag doll. It was exactly <laughs> like that. That's yeah. a perfect analogy. <laughs> Outrageous. He wins this award by a landslide. I, I mean, this is unanimous. Like, I know that you and I are the only two that vote besides the 100 pressers we have. Right. But still, easily unanimous, no questions. Yeah. Well, hey, the committee's um, outspoken there. Okay, so that's the Jiro Burrow flop. That's great. Uh, next award is the Akeem Hicks Literal Bear Award. You're not going to believe this. Um, for the 18th time in a row, that one goes to Akeem Hicks. <laughs> I, I totally agree. I think he was spitting, not on purpose. <laughs> I couldn't get enough of watching him. God, he's so um, great, man. He's so insane. I I would not want to play offensive line against Akeem Hicks. <laughs> um, so, if I can take a little bit of an aside here. So, professional athletes. So, let's back up. Um, you and I played sports at the same level in high school. We, I think we even played in the same division. We might have even I feel like we talked about in the past that we might have played each other, but um, maybe. But we definitely played together in uh, college, um, intramural. Not. <laughs> oh, we were definitely Division One school intramural sports. <laughs> so, despite that, there was never a single moment in which it was not abundantly clear that you were a different caliber of athlete than I was, even though we were playing at the same level. Um, and there's no sport you could find that I would beat you in. Is that, there's my, no way that's true. That a hundred percent. What sport would you beat me or would I beat you in? I don't know. I think you just need to choose one. And then that you're, <laughs> I don't know. I think that I don't, there's, I don't know. There's too many sports. I, you're a good athlete. You could, you could find some sports <laughs> uh, that you could get me in, but I, I appreciate the compliment. All right. Well, um, for but where were you going with that? Yeah, I'm sorry. So the point is, like, again, like, it wouldn't even be close. Like, you and I playing basketball, it's not even a, a contest. So it's like stuff like that. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah I got you. There um, are different levels even within high school. Yeah, athletes, yeah. No and doubt. So then you yes. take the absolute best of like a high school team and you put them in college and you have like the absolute best of the best of the best. Like, if you're playing D1, it's like 1% of the. Athletes from high school level, and then you take that the best of the best of the best and put them in um, like the draft, and you're only taking whatever seven rounds times thirty two teams, um, so we have two hundred and thirty players or yeah, but so you're taking like the best of the best of the best over and over to the point where it's like superhuman levels of athleticism, of like skill, all this stuff, and then Akeem Hicks makes those top of the top of the top look silly like over and over. <laughs> It's unbelievable. It is absolutely unbelievable. I, I completely agree with you. Like, I am so many levels removed. I, I'll say, like, one one way I can compare this is, like, basketball is something I have taken pretty seriously. I would have said, like, as a high school male, I was a good basketball player. I was better than most people at my school. I was a starter on my high school team, whatever. I went and played open gyms at the University of Illinois, and I had the opportunity to play some of the guys that played at U of I. I had no business being on the same court as these guys. And these were like bench guys on a Division One team. And they were so much better than me. 
then none of them got drafted. <laughs> Zero. Like, none of them could make a practice squad. None of them could make a G League. Like, how is it that, like, it's just such a different level? And to your point, Akeem Hicks is so much better than them. Like, it's like me playing, you know, like a freshman in high school as an adult male. That's him playing against the best athletes in the world. He just embarrasses them. He, like, can turn into an actual animal, an actual bear. <laughs> He's so great, man. And again, I, I try to, like, just stay in the moment and just enjoy what we have. But, like, this might be the last year we have him. And I'm not ready for a, a world without Akeem Hicks. I was always kind of a Leonard Floyd fan. I know that not all people were, but I do understand the criticism of like, hey, uh, Akeem Hicks takes up two blocks and so does uh, Cleo Mack. So you should be single block at all times. You should be rolling in sacks. Um, and so I kind of get that. But yeah, it, it's absurd. Like, I pity so much the opposing offensive line coaches that have to be like, okay, <laughs> it's only one game. It's only 60 minutes. Just get out there and do your best. I know. I know. It it is crazy. I mean, like with some of these like superhuman guys like um on the D line, which I think we have two in Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack, so we're very, very fortunate. I think it is crazy when I see things like uh the Cleveland Browns, who hopefully we don't see for a while this season, um, have <laughs> have uh like Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett. Like, oh my god. That like <laughs> like don't want a game plan against that. You better have an elite O line. Hopefully that doesn't come up soon. Yeah, I I haven't looked at the schedule recently, but I'm sure it doesn't. I don't think so. Uh, God, we can hope. Yeah. Uh, the next award is the Tom Thayer Award for Excellence in Awkward Broadcasting. That award goes to Mark Sanchez, uh, former Bears. That went out. Um, what a what a great example. Yeah. Um, and he was a color commentator in this game. Joe Burrow immediately for being a flopper like us. Uh, and then realized that was kind of shitty to uh, shit on a, a young quarterback as a quarterback himself. Um, I think he is trying to get in with everybody. Like he had Mitch Trubisky on his uh, show uh, last offseason. So I think he's like, oh, no, I need to get in good grace with everybody. Crap, I can't call him a flopper. So then he tried to awkwardly backpedal on what is a very obvious and like blatant call that no one would contest him on and so then he started being like oh but uh, his team loves that mentality he's an alpha male he's <laughs> like like it's yeah. so awkward great competitor <laughs> love to have him on the team yeah like just just be quiet man you, do, you don't need to do this yeah say it like it is the dude flopped <laughs> I, I don't know i don't think there's any way joe burrow looks at that and goes oh no i got hit i mean like Jeez, yeah. As an athlete at that level, which I'm not, but I could imagine, like, if I was that athletic, I would have to know that that was clear. Like, I would say you just toss it up to like that was a tactic to win the game, and like to his credit, he got the call, and it did improve their chances of winning the game. Like that turned into points. Yeah. So, uh, you know. You say props to him. Like, I, I will say, like, when I compete, I do anything I can to try to win. I just think that right there is, that's about as far over as I would possibly be willing to go. But, yep. um, not sure I'm a big fan of that. But, uh, anyway, yeah, I think you just have to, if you, if you are willing to do that, you got to call it like it is and say, yeah, I was going for the call. <laughs> Agreed. All right, well, that 
wraps it up for the Bearweather Fan Game Awards. Um, if you missed the uh, red carpet event last year, you know, be there for next one. Um, it's invite only, of course. But um, I think if you like, Bono's going to be there. Um, you know, most yeah, it's a charity event for for the Bearweather Fans Podcast right. salaries, and I think um, tickets are down to about fifty thousand dollars a pop. Sure. So yeah, yeah, down, yeah. All right, let's move on. So Bears. One twenty seventeen. Uh Bob, what do you think overall? Um, well yeah, running through the game really quickly here. Uh I like Dalton's start. I already mentioned that. I, I like truly thought he started the game like a composed veteran quarterback. I thought the team looked like they had a pretty good game plan, like you mentioned. Things that were working were by design, nothing was like broken. Um defense looked like it was playing great from the get go. Um and then when Andy ended up getting hurt and Fields came in, it felt really good. But somehow, and I feel like this is like the rookie effect in a negative way, like the the cons that come with a rookie. He was passing all my eye test things. Like I was like, oh, I like what I see. I like what I see. And all of a sudden drives were ending. Like I would like what I saw. I would like how things went. And then we're punting. And I'm like, man. Like, I feel like normally when I like how things are looking, we're driving down the field, not like the drives over punt. And it really felt like, you know, Mm -hmm. scoring really stalled out. Um, And uh, it was one of those things where it was so funny, like, just because, you know, we've been doing this and we had those predictions. And I was like, man, this is a way lower scoring game than I was expecting. Because I think my prediction was 24-21. And... And yes, I was sir. like, uh, I think Patrick was going to be pretty close to spot on because you had twenty four ten, and I was like, man, like we are going to lock them down, um, and you know, then uh, we we get the Roquan Smith pick six, and all of a sudden, like we are scoring the points a little bit, and I was like, man, Patrick is going to be right there, and then Joe Burrow ends up throwing some nice passes and, and, and Justin Fields through that one really ill-advised pick. Uh, I will say ill-advised wrong word. Um, not a bad throw, not inaccurate, not anything, just a bad read. Didn't see a guy like that's all I can chalk it up to is he's not a huge quarterback, so he can't see over the line very well. And he just did not see the guy that dropped into coverage. And he threw what I imagine would be a spot on pass. It's just, it got cut off. So, um, yeah. And I, I will say in his defense, I thought that was an awesome, um, like delayed coverage where the linebacker like took several steps, like he was, you know, rushing and then dropped back. Like, yeah, I I thought it was great. I completely agree. I think it was a great defensive play. I actually Mm. am not even sure. And I don't know, but I am not sure that was by design. Like I thought he committed to the rush so well, like, or he sold it so well that watching it, it looked like he attempted to rush, realized he could not get to the passer and then backed off in case he caught like a crosser or somebody and it like, and it just worked out perfectly for him or whoever the D coordinator is called like the greatest delayed coverage of all time, because it happened (laughs) to go right where it needed to be. I agree. I think like, I think, yes, I'd like him to have the game slow down enough where he can see those guys at the same time. I think you're not penalized for that 95% of the time because it just happened to be exactly the wrong defensive situation. 
Um, but anyway, that led to, I think it was a score on like the next play or something like that. Or it was, you know, an immediate strike after that. Cause they were all the way down to the 10. Um, and then I was, you know, getting a little, I was getting more than a little nervous there because all of a sudden the game that was like, ah, oh, this is over is a three point game and three points can happen in seemingly like 45 seconds in the NFL. Um, and I will just say like, and I'm sure we'll talk about Justin Fields more later. And if that's the case, I won't dwell on it too much. I will say he looked a little bit, um, a little bit like jittery. I don't know if nervous is the right word or just like, I don't think the moment was too big for him. I just think he was like overexcited and like trying to rush some things and he just needed to take a breath, calm down like he can do and just play the game. I mean, and you saw it with his two false starts. Um, but yeah, that's what, I mean, at the end of the day, I'll say I felt really good about my score again. I feel like through, I, there's no way I could have predicted being this close on two, two picks. I feel like through two weeks, my combined missed point totals is 15 <laughs> on four scores, which is insane. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I called a three point bears win and I just missed by a little bit. And again, Maggie could do nothing but critique me. I said, oh, I called a 24-21 win. That's pretty darn close to 2017. She goes, I don't know how they're each going to get four points at this point, Bob. <laughs> Idiot. Yeah, yeah. Moron. How are they even going to get four more? Uh, hey, I can't disagree there. Yeah. So yeah, well, When you're right, you're right, Maggie. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, so, yeah, with our... our point predictions last week i was in the same boat where i was feeling so good i was like calling you know defense like shut down yeah 24 10 and uh i was feeling so good right up until uh basically fields had that uh turnover and then all of a sudden the whole game kind of got away from us but it was like i know and i was so excited to have fields in as it was like i talked in the preseason about how having fields is like a simulation of having bipolar disorder where you get like the rush of energy, like, yeah, Fields is in the game. And then like something <laughs> terrible happens, like, oh my God, no. <laughs> and uh, so having that compounded with what I, yeah, this stupid prediction that I was ready to die in the hill of. Um, yeah, it was, it was surreal. As you should. You were, you were like right there. You had, I <laughs> right. mean, t- what was it? Uh, yeah, 20 to 10. What a great call if that's what it was. Like, geez, <laughs> one of the scores right, the other one right there. <laughs> A field goal instead of a touchdown, which all that, I mean, that could easily come back to like the false start fields had on the previous possession that backed them up when they were first and goal. I mean, that goes the other way. They don't get that penalty and maybe they're scoring that touchdown and we're right at 24. But mm-hmm. I will say, so that play fields had where he got basically strip sacked and then somehow like leapt like parallel to the ground and knocked the ball out of the linebacker's hand was one of the most amazing feats of athleticism I've ever seen from Bears player. Like that was like incredible. Yeah. It was probably incredible. one of the, the, probably the worst play we'll see of the year combined with the best play at once. It, yeah. I, I completely agree. So first of all, protect the ball a little bit, bro. Like yeah. when he's rolling out of there, like completely loose with the ball, like you're moving cause you're under pressure. It's not time to throw in one arm. However, right. to your credit, or to your point, I saw the exact same thing. I saw that live and was like, that's a scoop and score. And then he swats the ball out of that guy's hand. I feel like the announcers did not do that justice. Like right. how incredibly athletic that was. And then he covers the ball after stripping it from the defender, 
which by the way, there was four defenders around him and him. <laughs> like he had no business getting that ball. That was insane. It actually reminded me, I think in the preseason, he did the same thing where he, when he fumbled the ball, he was like, he got, he fumbled because he got tackled mm-hmm. and there was a guy laying on him and somehow he got up and went parallel again and covered. And it was like, dude, you were tackled. How were you the first person of the ball? Right. And By he like was. a lineman. <laughs> yes. Like a dude's 320 pounds. Yes. How did you get out and then cover the ball? Like it wasn't next to you. You had to move. Like I do, yeah. it doesn't make sense. I don't know how he recovered both of those. The one in the preseason and the one there. And it was huge that he did that. Absolutely insane. Such yeah. a feat of athleticism. I completely agree. Even when he's bad, I was so impressed. <laughs> yeah, the the Justin Fields experience is an EKG meter. We're like, that's incredible. Oh, no. That's incredible. <laughs> just up and down, and I'm here for it. I, I know. I love it. I actually, I feel like when they, I watched that called, I feel like they like straight up discredited him with it, and they said something like, oh, that was a lucky bounce to get back on it. And it was like, no. He took the ball out of that man's hand and then covered it. <laughs> He's better than everyone. That's what you saw. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, like, man, what a position to be in as, like, a Bears fan, to have the best athlete on the field be our quarterback. Oh, God, what an unusual feeling. Like, even Jay Cutler, who I was so excited about as an mm-hmm. athlete, I never once thought he's the best athlete on the field. Like, I thought he was a really good quarterback. I, like, genuinely think Justin Fields is the best athlete on the field pretty often. He's insane. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, I would love to, one of these days, do a deep dive about like why it is that quarterbacks now, like we have such a bigger supply of athletic QBs now compared to in the past, and why I think the floor is being raised on quarterbacks, where like even the busts are like okay. Um, Absolutely. But- yeah, I mean, just a few episodes ago, we talked about that Frankenstein quarterback, and I don't know if you remember, but I remember we just built Justin Fields again. <laughs> right. Like, all right, if you have the best legs, okay, it's Justin Fields' fan. Okay, well, if you could have the best, oh, he has the best accuracy. Okay, well, what? yeah, it's um, it's so fun, man. It's such an exciting time to be a Bears fan, and uh, I will always maintain that I want to uh, live in the moment, especially with sports and in all things, and not like something because it could be good later. So maybe he won't turn out. Maybe he won't go to the Super Bowl. Uh, that'd be great if we did. But um, just for right now, game by game, like, man, he's fun to watch. He's incredible. And uh, I say that uh, because I'm so incapable of doing that. So by like week four, I'm like, all right, so if we get this more game, then we can go, then we get a playoff wild card spot. So I'm, yeah, I, I say that mantra knowing 100% I will not be able to stick to it, but. Uh, so that was, yeah, we're talking about game a little bit. Let's go. Let's break it down by position. Switching positions. Um, (laughs) I love that. So a few things I wanted to talk about, you know, what? we're going to play a game here real quick before we get going. Um, this is a bear with fans. One of our coveted games, famous in the industry. Uh, I'm going to call it Barely Believable. And I'm going to give you a few things that the Bears organization may have may not done. Um, and you tell me which ones you think really happened and which ones I made up. I am going to struggle here. I'm excited for this. <laughs> okay. So, 
number one, so as of this recording, we're recording this uh, Wednesday evening. Um, so Justin Fields has officially been announced starting quarterback uh, QB1 while Andy Dalton is injured, quote-unquote, wink, wink. So yeah. what a yeah. shame. Yeah. Shoot. Um, <laughs> and like, Leave with some dignity, old man. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's uh, spoilers for uh, Ted Lasso, I guess. But uh, Oh, that was exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, we don't want to go too far into the Ted Lasso, but hey, we can say you're injured. Like, that's legit. People will buy that. That can salvage your career. <laughs> I think that is what they did with Danny Trevathan, 100%. Like, yeah. Look, oh, Danny. God, totally. Okay. Yeah, Anyways. Well, uh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so, our segment, Barely Believable. Um. Yeah, three things. Could, could they could all be fake? They could none of them be fake. So I'm going to read them off here. Um, so after we're talking about Wednesday, yeah, uh, Justin Fields has been named the starting quarterback. Uh, the press conference on Monday. Uh, let's see what I have written down here. Do do do. Matt Nagy was asked who the starting quarterback is. He claimed and what is it? Oh, sorry. Uh, now he was asked who the starting quarterback was. He claimed he wouldn't reveal that it was a scheme issue. Then later that day, a PR assistant showed up with a note saying Andy Dalton. So that's number one. Do you think that is barely believable or not at all? And I'm going to go through the next two here. Um, after Andy Dalton was named starting quarterback this week, the Twitter account of the Bear, Chicago Bears posted a pic of Andy Dalton labeled QB1. And the third one. The Bears' social media Twitter account posted a picture of Jason Peters, captioned, age is just a number, to Jason Peters. Oh, my God. Well, I feel like the first one is true, because I think I actually did hear that. I actually feel like he was asked twice. First, he said it was a scheme issue, and then he said, I don't know, like, I'm not going to tell you. And then he said, oh, I didn't understand the question. It's Dalton if he's healthy. Only to then say he's not healthy, it's Fields. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to go, if barely believable means that one is somehow actually real, I'm going with that for the first one. Okay. Now, I, I am not on Twitter, so I have no clue for the next two. And I am praying with every bone in my body that those are both false. I... God, I hope they are not true. Please tell me the Bears Twitter did not post Andy Dalton's AQB1, and please tell me they did not and like just comment on how flippin' old Peters is. I can see the second one more than the first one, but I don't know. I'm going to say they're both not true. Yeah, and um, my favorite part, is, if this is true, is it wasn't just that he's very old, which he is, and I want to get to that in a minute, but the... <laughs> The slogan they used is age is just a number for Jason, which has a, a very different connotation as well. Absolutely. Um, I know. Anyway, I know. So, so you said first one you think is true about uh, Nagy claiming QB is a sco- scheme issue. So the specific claim there was that um, he sent a PR assistant out with a note that, um, that revealed the QB decision. Um, do you think that part is true or false? Um, uh, I don't know. I'm going to say that's true. <laughs> you are correct on the first one. Okay. Uh, the Andy Dalton one, QB one, is actually kind of false. It's false in the way I said it. So they did not tweet out a picture of Andy Dalton this week, captioned QB one. Okay. They did tweet that exact thing, 
the week they signed him when every Bears fan in the world was fucking furious. Sorry, I probably shouldn't swear on here. Was damn furious. I'm going to beat that out. Uh, was damn furious that uh, they signed yet another mediocre quarterback to sit on the roster with Trubisky and Foles. Uh, oh, that for, is so funny. Yeah, so they tweeted that out. It's like QB1. And like, you know we have to cut Kyle Fuller for this guy, right? Like, what are you doing? And... uh he ended up being, you know, he's fine. Yeah. He's so dog. basically, it did happen on Twitter, just not this week. <laughs> right, not this week. Okay. I was thinking, um, I was like, there's no way that went out this week. They're like, <laughs> with all the confusion and... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And okay. the Bears Twitter account did tweet out a picture of Jason Peters captioned, age is just a number for Jason Peters. Shut That's up. That's a real That's thing so, that happened. That is, uh, that is so <laughs> stupid. Like... They, do they have a middle school child in charge of like their Twitter feed? Is this like some <laughs> like hey, this would be funny? <laughs> Almost certainly, yeah. And they did delete that like 15 minutes later when enough comments were like, um, what are you saying about him? Like, yeah. Um, so the first thing I have is true that Nat- Matt Nagy did send out a PR assistant with a note saying that oh, Andy Dalton is a starter. That is so At- stupid. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so that's pretty great. It it almost seems like a Seinfeld bit. It does. Like what? <laughs> it's so embarrassing. I can almost <laughs> promise that if I had not heard that, I would not have known that one. I would have said that's BS. <laughs> that is such a bad move. <laughs> so I'm looking for the exact uh, tweet here that I'm probably not going to find. But uh, yeah, anyway, it's. It's great. I love it so much. Um, yeah, man. I don't know. It's it's a crazy time to be a Bears fan. I just love this weird stuff that happens that is kind of inexplicable. Oh, I, like so. So two out of those three were true, and I think I went sixty-seven percent on that as well, getting two out of three correct because I thought two <laughs> were false, and the only so. one I could believe was the one that I heard about. It's ridiculous. <laughs> the. Yeah, the Peters one in particular is just like, it seems impossible. Yeah, like why would you say that about somebody I, <laughs> on your team who's actually playing pretty darn well? <laughs> yes. So here, I do want to get into the position breakdown, but you know, as long as we're here, I want to get into one more game. Let's see. Let's give it a hit here. So Jason Peters, left tackle, is actually playing pretty well for an ancient left tackle at 39 years old. So I want you to think about the old players that you have seen in a Bears uniform and tell me how many players you've seen the Bears in your lifetime play uh, that are older than Jason Peters uh, for the Bears. Um, zero? No, wait. How old is their current punter? Um, Ooh, Pat O'Donnell. Yeah, I feel like he's been there for my entire life, but that can't be true. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say zero. 39 is so old. I mean, I feel like it's got to be a kicker if it's not him. I'm going to go with zero, but it, I, I'm going to hedge that with like a cop-out. If it's, if it's over zero in my lifetime, it's a kicker. <laughs> Am I wrong on that? Um, you are not wrong. It's zero. There oh, yeah. is never that I can find in the history of the Chicago Bears. I believe that. Uh, yep. It's uh, so old. Like, there's only a handful of people that are that old right now. 
in the league and they're clearly the anomalies. And like, you know, because Tom Brady breaks the rules for age, mm-hmm. which like if, if, if he wasn't playing and at that level, like it's not just that Jason Peters is playing well for a 39 year old. The fact that he's playing at 39, like you brought up before, like that's madness. I can't believe he's playing well, period. Like he's playing <laughs> right. well for a 25 year old, a 22 year old, a 30 year old. He's playing well for a player in their prime. And he's <laughs> none of those things. And he's on like a teacher salary. I mean, it's insane how little they're <laughs> right. paying him for left tackle. <laughs> yep. That is, yeah, that is legit where I'm like, okay, man, he's got like gambling issues. So I'm like, well, why are you coming back for this? Yeah. Place? But good yes. for us that he has those gambling issues because he's <laughs> saving us. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I've seen some incredible like highlight blocks that he's had where he's just like pancaking guys. And like we've talked about, these are not you and I. These are NFL players that he's just making look like children. <laughs> right. So the closest I can find is, um, the, I remember is Patrick Manley, long snapper uh, for the Bears, who played for 16 years. Uh, but he, if I have this correct, uh, was 38 when he retired. Um, I went through, I actually wrote a little script on Google Sheets to crawl through the entire pro football reference archives to be like, okay, where the hell is there any any history of a Bears player being this old? And the answer that I can find is no, like never. Going back to the NFL merger, uh, 1960, um, the That's second insane. oldest, yeah, second oldest is 1996 Dave Craig, who was a QB, uh, and even that is like laughably old. So yeah, yeah, it's unprecedentedly old in our fandom and arguably in the entire sport. Absolutely, yeah. You don't play football at 40 unless you have <laughs> your own brand named TB12, and then and or you're like a kicker or something. But yeah, yeah, uh, right, or a long snapper, yeah, especially since the rules changed where you can't get touched. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that when you're talking about Joe Burrow. Like, oh, so he can't get touched. And it's like, yeah, if you're a punter, a kicker, or a certain kind of kind of quarterback, you can't be touched. I'm trying to think what those positions all have in common. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> and long snapper. Yeah, right. Hmm. It's interesting. Uh, anyway, maybe. Lawyers for parents. Is that what you were going to say? <laughs> Probably right. also true. <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> we had that. Uh, There's a couple of uh, fun little games. I hope we all learned something. I hope we all enjoyed those games. Uh, so let's go through. Uh, <laughs> I had fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my position here. Um, is there any position you want to start with or you just want to work through the... Y- the... You can go ahead. Okay, so I want to start kind of uh, defense going from secondary in. Um, so safety, I again, when the Bears were... Whatever, 24-10, I was feeling super good about my prediction. Like, yes, this is it. And then and Eddie Jackson had done an amazing uh, run stop, stop. He had uh, forced a fumble. He Whatever, he was crushing it. And then right at the end of the game, he had to blow my prediction by uh, having another terrible miscoverage or mistackle where he just let a guy like go. Oh, it, was, it was so frustrating. But other than that one play, which is maybe inexcusable, um, that was four minutes and 40 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Um and he took out his own guy, too. It was really bad. I am right there with you. I was uh, number one of the, you know, Eddie Jackson sucks club last mm-hmm. week, and I thought he played 
the exact other side of that coin this week. I was as impressed with him this week as I was disappointed in week one. I thought he was incredible. Even the play you're talking about at the end of the game, which I did think you're an NFL safety. You need to take a better angle at that wide receiver. I will say Joe Burrow threw the ball just bad enough to like make the receiver cut Mm. inside and slow down. So like, he really changed his route right at the top, which I think is why he ended up going underneath Eddie Jackson, where like if that ball's thrown where most quarterbacks would throw it, which is away from the safety, um, he was taking the correct angle. And like, I think he was reading that. And then when he, you know, had to adjust to the ball kind of at the last second, he ended up not being where Jackson thought he was going to be. Cause I'm sure Eddie was playing the ball and the man, but more the man than the ball. And then when the other guy adjusted, he missed, but Um, I will say to Eddie Jackson's credit, I thought his forced fumble, which I will also say I thought was kind of fortunate. I don't think it was like a totally (laughs) like peanut Tillman punch. I think it was a tackle where his hand was on the other guy's hand. Having said that, I thought that was the biggest play of the game. I thought that was like the, this is a game. And when that changed, the momentum changed, the whole like feeling of the game changed. Like that play yeah. made me feel like we won the game. Um, and I, I thought it was the biggest play of the game. I thought it was so huge. The only caveat, and this isn't a knock on him, is it di- it seemed almost as fortunate mm. as it was intentional. Um, so it, it really wasn't like a clean punch or anything. It was a, it was a quick tackle, which was incredible. He happened to get his hand on the other guy's hand. Uh, I don't even know that he touched the ball. Like he just took his hand off of it, and like the guy lost the ball. So, uh, but great play. I don't mean to take it away from him. It just it didn't seem as intentional as some forced fumbles where you're like, oh, that guy went straight for the ball and got it, and there was nothing the guy could do. So, uh, but but. All that said, biggest play of the game. Hell yeah, so, man. Good for um, him. Yeah, I I could see that. Yeah, I'm just so hungry for a Charles Tillman type player that if I see even a hint of it, I'm like, yeah, it's good enough for me. I can uh, I can make do with this. But yeah, I, I agree there. Mm-hmm. Um, a saying that I heard recently about it's actually about driving, and the saying was, "Don't be, don't be kind, be predictable." I mean, it's don't be polite, be predictable. But the point being, like, if you have a bunch of things happening once that relies on you making these kind of like microsecond decisions quickly. Um, having one unpredictable element throws everything to chaos. And I think I've been thinking about that in terms of playing on an NFL team where it's like seeing the other safety Gibson and uh, we can get to um, the center too in a minute. Um, uh, whose name she I'm blanking out right now, but uh yeah, anyway, seeing, like, those players struggle and all of a sudden, like, the entire unit kind of crumbles around them and seeing, like, Eddie Jackson play significantly worse um, just from that guy being on the field. And that's, like, one of those things where I'm like, man, how much can we pin on Eddie or how much of this is, like, you know, him being thrown off his game because of this sudden, like, weak link in the chain, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I get that. Um, especially because, like, we're not, you know... I mean, we're fans, right? Mm-hmm. And when we're watching those blown coverages, is it because somebody else completely let somebody loose in front of him and now he had to step up and then he got beat over the top? And sure, he should have taken away over the top, but, you know, whatever. So um, also one more, I will say, like, while I thought he played great and I don't mean to, like, really dwell on the fact that there were some errors like that missed tackle at the end of the game, I feel like there was also a couple blown coverages that Joe Burrow didn't 
take advantage of. Um, I feel like, like Sanchez talked about it a few times. It was in the first half. I feel like, um, he like, you know, came off reads and did check downs and whatever. And Eddie Jackson, a few of the corners as well, like really bit on some like out routes and stuff. And like a couple times people turned up field and they turned up field free. The ball just didn't get out. And it's like, well, you're fortunate. The line was playing well. And our defensive line outmatched their O line because, like, there were free touchdown passes if Joe Burrow had the time and the, you know, vision to see that that person broke free. Like, you know, those are NFL touchdowns every time. Um, so, I mean, I think it was even Mark Sanchez in the first half when he was calling the game, calling for like it's time to throw the wheel wheel route at the Bears because they're not covering <laughs> oh, over yeah. the top. And I was like, yeah, and I was like, oh, like, I mean, after last week, we're not covering over the top. We literally got beat on two right. plays. Um, so. Yeah, and I wonder how much of that is um, them not respecting Burrow as a deep threat, although I think Burrow wasn't bad at all and compared to Stafford. But, um, yeah, for me, going through position, um, I will say that I thought Sean Asai has played a great, or just called a great defensive game the past two games. And, uh the only issues last week were those blown coverages. He talked about the two plays where Stafford uh, had like a wide open guy and a broken coverage um, and the missed tackles. Um, and this game too, almost all of the best plays were courtesy of a good defensive play call or scheme. Like um, I think Roquan and Quinn and Mac all owe sacks on their kind of mixed up blitzing at the right time. And right. And that is entirely timing based. Cause if you call a stunt on a run play, like if they call like Max sack was on a, I don't know. Remember exactly what they call it where it's where the tackle goes first and then the end goes inside. If they run right edge there, you're so yeah, done. That's a guaranteed 10 because your defensive end just gave away contain. Mm-hmm. And it's literally now up to, um, Akeem Hicks to cover half the line by himself with blockers on him. Like, I mean, Maybe he can do it because he's a superhuman, right. but like you're likely breaking that and going not two yards. Like you are breaking that for a huge gain. I completely agree. I thought he called really, really good defensive schemes. And I also think you cannot blame the defensive coordinator for a blown coverage by a safety that is mm. playing too deep or on a missed tackle. Like when you put them in position to do their job, they got to just do their job. And all you can ask for out of a defensive coordinator is to put him in position. And I will say, like, the big money guys, like you said, uh, Hicks, Mack, and Smith all finished the job with sacks. So good for them. Like, they did their job, and and they got rewarded with the stat sheet for it. But it was awesome that the play call put them in position to do that. Yeah, I, I agree. So it will be interesting to see. I know one issue we talked about in previous episodes is like, okay, you can have a genius coordinator and a genius coach. Um, but it has to be simple for everybody. And I think that's one thing that we're seeing is all these kind of mental mistakes. And it's like, okay, that there's a disconnect there. And I know we talked about how uh, Vic Fangio, one of his greatest strengths, is getting every single player to uh, individually play at their like highest possible level. Like He maximizes everybody's talent. Um, and I think that's through making things simple for them and, uh, I don't know, just through the details, I guess. So hopefully decide that's something that we can see improve. I would love to see the individual player's performance match the size play callings. I think that scheme has been great so far. 
I'm with you. And I'll say like just quick thoughts on that comment you just made. Like I feel like the front seven seemed free and athletic in the game. And it really is just secondary breakdowns. So mm-hmm. I don't know what the difference is between how he's communicating with the front seven versus the back four. Um, because I feel like when he's making those calls for, you know, the guys up front, they're just being athletes and, and, you know, making those reads and doing those things. But it is on the back end where they're just really breaking down and uh, not being athletes. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, whatever he's doing with the front seven, I think he needs to take a little piece of that and use it in the secondary. Yes, sir. I think I agree. All right, going through the position battle here, talked about safeties, talked about defensive coordination. Let's talk about cornerbacks. I've been, um, not to two mountain horn, but um, Kendall Vildor, <laughs> I've been so excited about since the end of last season, and he is showing up. He and Jalen Johnson, um, I know a lot of people had some concern with getting rid of an all-pro cornerback in Kyle Fuller, and that does suck. But I did think at the time, like, well, they must have a lot of confidence in the cornerbacks they have on the roster, at least Jalen and Kendall Vilder, um, to to even be entertaining this as a possibility. And I think Jalen Johnson and Kendall have both been awesome. I completely agree. Um, Yeah, I thought they've been really good. I... Yeah, I don't have too much to add on that. I just feel like um, a few times uh, they play their, you know, softer coverage one or two yards beyond the sticks, which I'd like them to stiffen up just short of the sticks, like yeah. particularly on third downs. Mm-hmm. But, um, and I, you know, that's, I'm sure, much easier said than done. But, like, if if it's as much as, like, hey, it's third and eight, we don't need to start our off coverage at 10 yards and then back up and then step forward to 10 yards. Like let's try to cut them off at seven yards instead of 10 yards. Cause when they complete that pass at 10 yards, that's a first down and the drive keeps going. Um, but I've thought they played really well. I thought they've done a really nice job with like <clears throat> being tight on coverage and making the quarterbacks make good throws. Um, and then when they didn't make good throws, making them pay for it like that, that pick, um, on the side, uh, was that who who got that pick? That wasn't uh, Roquan. Hmm. Was that Kendall Vildor? Oh yeah, or was Jalen so. Johnson? I think it was Kendall Vildor. I think I think he like whichever corner it was. He he stared down the quarterback the entire time, and Mark Sanchez did a nice job of calling that one, saying like he wasn't even watching the receiver's route. So when he saw the quarterback plants his back foot, he just broke on the route. Ball yes. wasn't even out yet. Receiver hadn't even turned around yet. The thing didn't have a chance because mm-hmm. he was eyes on the quarterback the entire time. So, um, yeah, I, that was a great play. Again, only slight concern is, you know, how, are you going to bite on that double move and we're going to get beat on two plays again? Like, I think that's the film against the Bears right now is you attack them over the top, but not not that many teams can do it, but good teams can. So we'll see. Yeah, for sure. So one thing... Yeah, actually, I'm going to get to this later. All right, remind me I have another game to play later on. But, uh, yeah, moving through. I Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, like you said, they have tape on them now. Um, you tack them over the top. And I think my criticism of Kendall is he's bit a little bit too easy on some QB stuff where, like, Burrow, 
it, it kind of works in, to our advantage in that case where Burrow like threw the ball and like Vindel was there, Kendall Vildor was there before the wide receiver was. Last week, some completion Stafford had into a tight window, and uh, there he didn't have the numbers on the side of the field. He was rolling right, throwing right, and uh, he had his receiver maybe like 30 yards out and a safety behind him, and he had Kendall Vildor in front of him, so the dude's bracketed. And uh, there was a, I think it was Roquan, the linebacker, was running parallel to Stafford, like ready to tackle him. So he like whips it on the run. But before he does it, he just gives a tiny little pump fake towards the center of the field and moves his eyes. And like Kendall Vildor like jumps on it just a little bit enough to give him like a four or five yard gap. And that was enough for him to chuck it 35 yards there for completion. And uh, it's mostly a good play by a quarterback, but stuff like that is like, yeah, I'm sure teams are looking at him being like, all right, he's going to bite on anything, so be aggressive with your pump fakes and look him off. Yeah, throw anything at him, and he's going to get excited for those picks. Yeah, I agree. Um, Yeah, otherwise, defensive line, I thought, you know, obviously stats speak for themselves. Uh, Linebackers, too. Um, Roquan, obviously, pick six, awesome game. Uh, man, Ogletree looks rough, though. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. I agree. And it's good that Roquan is capable of playing for two linebackers because it, we've needed it yeah. right now. But, uh, yeah, D-line and linebacker. I mean, yeah, if we're, if we're on linebackers right now, I thought Roquan Smith was – he had to be one of the most impressive linebackers of the Hell week, yeah. not just on the Bears. I mean, all 32 teams. Yeah, he's man. He's another one that's just so fun to watch. Like having players mm-hmm. on the roster, they're not just good, but young, like Justin Fields and Roquan Smith. It's like just knowing he's gonna be around for a minute. It's so cool. Absolutely, yeah. And then the D line, super good. Did Robert Quinn get a I think sack? So too? yeah, Is that right. I think or that was, was that another uh, Sean Desai yeah. kind of stunt fake there. But yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I mean, I'm very very happy with the front yeah, seven man. play in that game. Now, I don't know how much of that was them and how much of that was Cincinnati's O-line and kind of just generic struggles, but um, very happy to have it. Uh, and I think that could translate pretty well uh, next week against whoever we play. <laughs> yeah. So we'll get to that. One thing. So I think it's kind of interesting playing a really good quarterback, even when it's frustrating, playing against one, uh, is because they're kind of like truth serum. Like, they will find whatever your weakness is, especially combined with uh, mm-hmm. a good offense. Like, they, yeah, Bengals aren't great, but, like, I think Joe, Joe Burrow's a smart quarterback. And, uh, like, um, one thing that's always super frustrating playing against the guy up north when we play the Packers is uh, he will find that tiny little crack in your defense and just hit it over and over like a like a lightning rod. It's just like boom and then like I didn't even know that was And he does he doesn't he no. doesn't get bored of that. He just oh wait, that's winning. Yeah. Oh again. Oh again. Oh again. <laughs> I've complained yep. in the past about um Nick Wakowski being an awesome run stopper and then the Packers had him on the field, went to no huddle and this threw at him for an entire series and scored. And it's like stuff like that where it's like damn, like he he just finds that stuff out and there's no hiding from it. So uh, I no. Nope. Yeah, you find the mismatch and you yeah. take it to it, and you don't you don't so let up. So a few up. kind of interesting, I thought really clever things that the Bengals and Joe Burrow did was that they were in a lot of five wide, and um, I know Bobby you knows all stuff, but just for maybe fans, um, I don't know what our I don't know how to gauge our listeners as far as what they do and don't know. But um, basically, of course, you have eleven people on each side of the field, so it's typically 
uh, five linemen and five skill players, usually one QB, QB and four other skill players. And sometimes that's a running back and a tight end blocking, and then you have, you know, um, like three wide receivers or whatever. There was a lot of five wide receiver sets for the Bengals, which is tough in a couple of different ways. One, because it's an obvious passing down. So the pass rushers can be like, I'm not even going to worry about trying to watch for run, defending the gap, whatever. We can blitz, we can do whatever. Um, and also, you have to be a really smart, like, quick QB to go through five different route combinations and uh, read that stuff. So if you have a smart QB, which I think Joe Burrow is, that is um, to your advantage, whereas if you have a QB who is not as easy to get through those routes or to go through the reads, you're kind of screwing them over, which is what uh, I think Trubisky really struggled with, is, like, he needed simplified reads and like one or two, you know. Um, but anyway. Totally. One or one, probably. <laughs> so yeah. what I thought was really interesting about that is then you're forcing uh, a player that we would prefer to be in a run-stopping or even a pass-rushing situation to go line out wide. It's like, oh, no, we have to cover five receivers at the line. Otherwise, we're leaving somebody uncovered, and that's an easy completion. So um, there were times where all of a sudden Khalil Mack was forced to go line out wide and into pass coverage. And it's like... Yeah, like what I saw a great that. way to neutralize his pass rush by making him suddenly be like a coverage linebacker. Like I thought that was so I hated it, but I also felt like that's really interesting. Oh, absolutely. I think uh <clears throat> it's funny cuz uh the high school I went to, they got a new football scheme my senior year and I wasn't a football player, but they talked to me about coming out and the whole thing they were talking about was they were like, "Hey, you know what what schools don't prepare for five wide exactly <laughs> what you're talking about right now like most high school teams are like ground and pound passing is risky you have to have a good quarterback and we did have a good quarterback and they're like hey we can put five competent receivers out there and he and our quarterback was mobile you know he could like be elusive and stuff and create things and broken plays and whatever and then he was like you know how many schools have five competent coverage guys the answer is <laughs> right. zero so uh like you said like we can really make some people do things they are not comfortable right. with and and basically what they practice all season it is not enough coverage to be t- to be marking five guys um and so yeah I, I agree i think it's a pretty clever way to neutralize a pass rusher is to load up one side so much that literally the rusher has to go out and cover somebody yeah, so I'd love to see against next week maybe. Uh, yeah, we'll see what the game plan looks like. But your two options when you have a really good pass rush is, okay, I'm going to take more people out of routes and put them in um, pass protection. So suddenly you have seven people online or whatever. But then, yeah, another option is what we're talking about. We're like, no, we'll send more people out and either force them to cover it or we have a quick read from a QB who can make that. So I think that's super dope. Let's um, mm-hmm. going through... We talked a little bit about the linebackers, the linemen. Um, yeah, Ogletree, hopefully. Oh, yeah, also uh, Duke Shelley at nickel. That was tough to watch. Um, it was. It was. He got picked on, what, the entire much. game? And that's, again, like the, the lightning rod thing where it's like, oh, no, like a, a quarterback who's aware enough to see that stuff, like you just get found out. Like that's brutal. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. We'll see what happens there. Because I do think Jalen Johnson and Kendall Vildor are, like, legit. Like, they're a good uh, cornerback duo. Um, pro football focus had um, 
I think it was Jalen Johnson as like the third highest cornerback rated this season. And they said he's <laughs> yeah, oh like he's only given up uh, 84 yards. And then Jalen Johnson commented on that Twitter post. He's like, where'd you get 84 yards from? Like, not even willing to accept that. Like, no, <laughs> that's I've never given up yards. Like, that's such a cornerback. It is. Um, LC there. Uh, moving over to offense. So, yeah, earlier I was talking about how, like, one one unpredictable ingredient in what you're doing, like, kind of throws everybody off. And I thought the interior line has been really rough this past week. And I thought that was almost entirely because of the center, Sam Mustafer. And I don't totally know, but, like, James Daniels, we know, has proven he can play really well. And I think Cody White here. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree. Yeah, it was straight over the center. And there were times where there was miscommunications where it's like, ah, for someone like me who's not super good at diagnosing line play, especially when all 22 is not always available, it's hard to know. But it's like knowing their history, like, that's probably Sam Mustafer. Like, I'm willing to bet money on that. Yeah, like when they, I mean, one of the sacks on fields was straight up the middle. And it it happened in like two seconds. And, like, nowhere to step up into, nowhere to go. And it was straight over the center. And you're like, oh, yeah. God. Like, you can't you can't give up a sack that fast and give the quarterback literally nowhere right. to go. Yeah, talking about the line. All right, here's one thing I want to do. We're going to play another game. Here we go. Hey, uh, Sounds good. Is this the game I was supposed yes, to remind you about? But I, I beat myself to okay. it. So, uh, hey, another Beer with a Fans good. game. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. So, so is this the first time you've beat yourself tonight? I don't, I don't get that. Could you, could you explain what that is? <laughs> so, I can't. Um, there were 10 first downs for the Bears in the second half. And one thing we have criticized Matt Nagy with is um, predictive play calling, not setting up your team for success. Um, so with 10 first downs, how many do you think were – Runs up the middle, or inside zone runs. Sorry. Uh, no clue. Uh, few three. Um, nine of ten first downs. Shut up. Shut runs. Up. And one of those was a, a Justin Fields outside zone rush. So. Oh okay. Yeah. Still though, that's insane. Yeah. So when we talk about. Because I've been so frustrated with Maggie in the past about predictive play calling and like it's like he runs out of steam creatively until he starts doing like the same thing over and over like as the game goes on and uh, we can break down pre-snap motion and play action stuff like that uh, in a minute but yeah uh, well it, Mark Sanchez was calling that too yeah. during the game he was like oh so on first down we're just going to go hard play action and take our <laughs> shot yeah like every first down. Oh, so what you're saying is on first down, the defensive line can pin their ears back and come after right. you. One time, actually run that ball because they're not playing the run. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. I'll say the first half was better, and that could be kind of the point we're making is like trying to build off that, um, that tendency of like, all right, in the first half, we only passed off play action first down. Second half, we'll only run on first down. But uh, by like halfway through the third quarter, I was like, oh, so Nagy's just going to give up every first down to Montgomery Rush for two yards. Like, okay. And um, I feel so bad for Dave Montgomery because the interior line was playing really bad. And the opposing defensive line knew it was going to be a running play. And he was just like always calling inside zone run. I feel like 
the poor guy it gets hit harder than I've ever been hit in my life every single run play and it's always like a yard into his own backfield yep I'm with you on that I, I was not super impressed with yeah. that so we'll see I mean god David Montgomery is so exciting though isn't he he's like he's amazing he is he he's a good back and the one thing I will say that like you know, if we're going to be talking offense or play calling, one thing that I thought was cool is when Justin Fields was in the game, even though he only had 60 yards and he only took a few attempts and all that stuff, and there was a lot of dink and dunk still, they took shots. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I remember from his limited number of pass attempts is there was shots downfield, like for right. sure. I don't know if it's because the play call was for it or because he was willing to take that shot. But he took shots downfield. And it's like, it was enough for me to be like, ooh, you're going to keep them honest. Because if they're not honest, those are going to be touchdowns. <laughs> right. um, and, yeah, so that was, it was very exciting to watch. And I don't I don't know if that was because the plays broke down or because they were called shots downfield. But, like, there was enough there for me to say, like, on some of those passing plays, there was the looks uh, beyond just the sticks. Yeah, I agree. And um, as our fans and listeners probably know, of course, your hosts are myself, Patrick, Coach Bob, and Ed O'Bradabot. Um, four to five callers cannot tell the difference between the actual Ed O'Bradabot, Ed O'Bradovich, and Ed O'Bradabot. So, um, Ed O'Bradabot, what do you think about the Dink and Dunk offense? Do you have any comments? Get a chance to let it out, attack, and make a statement. And you play scared to death football. Dink and Dunk, Dink and Dunk. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's insight right there. It's a keen mind. Yeah. Wisdom. For it a is. man who has spent every waking moment just breathing in Chicago football for like the past 70 years. So that's... And alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Even the robot. <laughs> yeah, Runs on alcohol. It's a alcohol. style bender type thing where, yeah, it's powered by alcohol. Yes. Uh, Ed O'Bradabot, do you have any comments there? But offensively, after our second game, our second game, again, 15 completions for a total of 24 passes for a net yardage of 83 yards. <laughs> Folks, there are people that have one play that averages, that goes 83 yards for a touchdown. That's in college and in the pros. Hmm. Did you know that there was a play that could go 80 yards? Um, you know, I did actually, depending on where you start on the field. Some plays have gone for 99 yards, actually. Um, I also think it's insane how I feel like he said you completed 15 of 24 completed passes. I don't really know. Uh, but yeah, there was no way that that was an eloquent uh, navigation through whatever statistic he was trying to share. <laughs> What a guy. Oh, Ed O'Bradabot, you're a gem. Um, <laughs> he really is. Let's see. So, yeah, offensive line, and this is what, like, I, it's hard to even believe what I'm seeing, but Pro Football Focus has graded uh, Jermaine Effetti and Peters as the highest-rated tackle duo in all football for the past two games. <laughs> Which oh is God. like... Two weeks ago, if you're like, all right, what's going to happen? Like, well, the interior line's going to be solid, and the tackles are going to be a dumpster fire. But 
Yeah, no, there's no way. There's no like that's that's a small sample size. I I can't. I'm not buying what I'm what what I'm seeing there. Um, I feel like that will let down a mm-hmm. little bit. Um, I do think the interior line will play better. Uh, I mean, I think the tackles have played well uh, so far, but um, yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna keep them even as an above average unit uh, at the tackles on the season. That is fair. Um, I want to talk a little bit about play calling tendency from Mad Maggie and uh, how okay. why I complain so much about like how he fails to set up uh, his quarterback so and his offense in general. Um, so for our listeners who maybe aren't super familiar with the term like play action or pre-snap motion, play action is just faking a handoff. So running back runs by the QB. QB looks like he's going to hand off a running play and keeps it and throws it. Um, and that has the added benefit of kind of slowing down the pass rush and making the linebackers kind of flinch a little bit. If whoever's looking at the ball, there's some hesitation. So you're buying yourself a little bit of time. Maybe you're even distorting the coverage a little bit if they're uh, in some kind of zone watching you. The second thing is it adds a little bit of timing to the play. So if you're a quarterback who's not super comfortable in a pocket, say like Trubisky, um, and struggles with timing and reading stuff. That is a built-in timing where it's like, you know, one, two, three step, fake handoff, throw. And that kind of thing really helps a quarterback like that who's not super polished in the pocket. Um, the downside, and Coach Bob loved to hear your opinion on this, but the downside, in my opinion, is if you have a stellar QB who's very comfortable in the pocket and can diagnose coverages really quickly, you're wasting some of his time and you're forcing him to be in one spot. So if you have like a Tom Brady who is capable of instantly diagnosing coverage and maybe wants to get the ball out right away. You're handcuffing him. And also, depending on what kind of play action it is, if it's like a, a slow-developing, like backwards-running play action, you could be forcing him to look in a direction that um, is slowing down his processing. So it's like, you know, if you have a QB who just crushes it reading defenses, you want to give him as much freedom to survey the whole field as quickly as possible. Does that kind of check out? I. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, I didn't really think about that that much. I, I would say, like, while I do like play action, I think some teams use it mm. way too much. I like play action into bootlegs the opposite direction to buy them more eyes up time. So if you play action a, you know, run that looks like it's going to go off the left tackle and then you sweep out to the other side and roll out to the right, then you are going to buy yourself that time to look downfield and, you know, get through a few reads Um, or just the kind of like you're talking about the no read, the, um, you you know, the, uh, the deep chance, the, am I going to go over the top on this play? You know, can I get somebody to bite on a, on an out and then go upfield? But to your point, if a, um, if a cornerback has any eyes on the QB, if they're running back to fake a handoff, they're not biting on an out route because the quarterback's not in a position to throw the mm-hmm. out route. So, um, yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, that I agree with that 100%. Um, so, I guess in kind of a summary, if you have a, a QB who maybe struggles and um, isn't astute enough to read that kind of intricacies in the defense, you're almost exclusively helping them in play action, in my opinion. Um, that being said, uh, another thing you can kind of do to help out a uh, young QB 
is um, pre-stamp motion. For listeners who don't know, it's just um, sending somebody in formation to a different side of the formation before the snap. So it's like, hey, you have a wide receiver lined out wide right. Um, before the snap, you have your QB give the signal and the dude runs over to be wide left. And in doing so, the QB is looking for, and I guess the whole team is looking for signals of, okay, did the defender uh, follow him all the way across the formation? Then we know it's in man coverage underneath, or at least that guy's in man coverage. If the formation switches and somebody else is covering him, then you know it's some form of zone. Um, so that kind of thing helps out a QB who struggles with reading defenses on the fly. Um, so those two things, although it's more work for the play caller and play design, it's helpful overall for the QB. Um, is that kind of check out? Very good analysis there. Yeah, that's awesome. And I will just say, because I watched the Chiefs mm-hmm. game, and I don't remember which other one. It might have been the, the Bucks game. Um, but they just commented on how just the top-level offensive coordinators and the most efficient offenses just use pre-stat motion all the time. Because in the event that it is, man, you put the defender out of position. Like, it, the offensive player can run to their spot so easily, and the defensive player has to, like, navigate traffic. Um, and they just do not get to where they want to be, and they don't get to the position they want to be set in. And you can call, you can snap the ball before the wide receiver is even all the way to the other side, so long as they're not approaching the line of scrimmage. And then the defender is just literally out of position. So, like, there are so many benefits to pre-snap yeah. motion. Yeah, I totally agree. And so, with that in mind, uh, last year the Bears were middle of the pack. They're 16th overall in pre-snap motion percentage. And they were 30th overall in play-action passing percentage. So they, which is odd because if you are running a lot, you'd think you'd want to build off that. And then, like, oh, the team's looking for uh, a run. Now it's fake the run and toss it. Um, and so that, to me, is an indication of something something that's going wrong in the play calling and play design. Um, but, so that was very frustrating last year. Just, like, what's going on here? Like, we... There's logic that shows this is good. There's analytics that back up is good. Like you've talked about every, even anecdotally, like every good top offense also has this going all the time, um, at least pre-stamp motion. Um, that being said, this season, their play-action percentage and pre-stamp motion percentages are way higher. Um, so that, to me, is encouraging. It's a little bit of like Nagy's self-scouting and uh, more effort put into... You know, trying to set up the team, especially Justin Fields' young QB, for success. So that's like super encouraging to me. I'm with you on that. Yeah, I will say, and I don't know if you felt this way, but I felt like the play calling did shift quite a bit when Fields came in mm-hmm. versus Dalton. I thought when Dalton was in, it was all pre-snap motions, play action, all that you're talking about. And I feel like when Fields came in, it became very tight. And I'll give him credit. This was the backup quarterback coming in. He didn't have the reps for the whole week with the starters. It wasn't a whole he's QB1 this week game plan. Um, But it felt like he switched from play action and all that stuff to a bunch of RPO, uh, no rollouts. I don't know. It just felt like he definitely shifted the play calling when the quarterbacks switched. Um, And so... Uh, you know, just to explain also RPO, that's your run pass option on that, on that, on a play and things that are great about having a quarterback like Justin Fields is it allows him to 
have the handoff threat like a play action, but have his eyes mm-hmm. downfield. So now he can have more time to read all that stuff, see what he sees, and actually even make the decision if he wants to hand the ball off. And all those things are made while watching the defense, the defensive ends, the box, all those things. And he's really forcing them to wait to commit or to commit to something and take the other thing. And he's so talented that everything's on the table. Like there's nothing he can't do. So like, I don't, I mean, not that he's great at everything yet, but like, I don't think any team could like, you know, try to scheme for Justin Fields and say, well, he can't throw an intermediate pass. Oh, he can't throw over the top. Oh, he can't beat us outside. Like, you know, you can't, you can just change up what he's saying and hope he makes a mistake, but it's not like you can, what we talked about with like Aaron Rodgers, just pick on one of his weaknesses all day because the only way you're going to get him is if you fool him, not not if you just pick on his weakness because he doesn't have a glaring weakness in terms of athletic ability, speed, yeah. arm strength, accuracy, any of that stuff. Yeah, it's man, it's so exciting. And uh, yeah, going with the uh, like the RPO and any kind of run option stuff, um, that was one big reason I thought as, as far as last season of why Nick Foles on the Bears struggled so much. Just like, and also the offensive line went through some shifts, but it was like with Trubisky, who's obviously not as athletic as Justin Fields. He was athletic enough that he possessed a run threat. And so a defensive end, if they're crashing off the edge and they see Trubisky with a handoff to Montgomery, it's like, ooh, okay, I need to have some discipline here. I need to evaluate and just the hesitation is enough to make a run. Whereas if Nick Foles is there, it's like, I have no question. I know where this ball is going, so you can just crash in and take out Montgomery. And uh, Yeah, it yeah. means nothing. An RPO with an immobile quarterback means <laughs> right. nothing. It is no threat. And one yeah. final thing we talked about pre-snap motion. We're talking about RPOs, talking about play action. Um, and this is kind of an underrated one. But the time left in the play clock when you snap the ball, um, that was something that Matt Nagy notoriously struggled with the past few years to the point where uh, Nick Foles called him out on national broadcast and told, like, uh, was it Brian Greasy, the color commentator for that game, said, he's like, oh, yeah, Nick Foles told me before the game, sometimes Matt Nagy takes so long to get the play call out, I already know it's not going to work. Like, holy shit, dude. And uh, since then, way to instill confidence. (laughs) And I don't think Nick Foles has played another game since. I think Matt Nagy was so mad at him. That was like the ad. But um, there is a chart here um, that I posted on Twitter. But um, it's a chart showing the pressure rate of a specific down compared to how much is left on the play clock. So just, you know, analysis of that. Um, And if you have 20 seconds or more on the play clock, on average they had a 30% 30%, um, rate of pressure on that down. But then if you get closer to like five seconds or it, it's more like 40%. So, yeah, it's like a third greater, you know, prevalence of uh, pressure, which is, yeah, which is huge. Well, especially, I mean, an added piece of that, not only is the play call coming in fast enough where now the quarterback can read the defense or they can make a change if they don't like the defense, but also that goes hand-in-hand with up-tempo offense and another way to neutralize a defensive lineman like Khalil Mack is to make him sprint after the quarterback, balls out. Oh, new play, sprint after the quarterback, balls out. Like, yeah, like these guys, while they're not human, <laughs> they also are kind of human where like they get yeah. tired. And like the only thing worse than playing against Khalil Mack is playing against a fresh <laughs> Khalil Mack. It's like it's like the only reason that like 
time of possession matters so much to everybody. You know, it doesn't actually matter. It doesn't actually count for points. But if you have to just keep playing more downs and run more distance, you just get tired. Defense is more tiring than offense because you don't know where they're going. So you wear down a defense. And if you can get those plays off quickly, you just wear them out and get them tired. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, so it's one of the many reasons Justin Fields is so exciting. Um, being able to be that dual threat, being able to slowly wear down opposing pl- pass rush to the point where later on in the game they are winded and you can you know, pull up big runs. Um, one thing they talk about a lot in the running game is body blows, where it's like, I'm running a lot in the first quarter, so that starts really paying off in the fourth quarter. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about. Um, Absolutely. And I actually feel like that is part of the reason why, even though, you know, on paper, box score, David Montgomery didn't look like a world beater. He had important, to your point, I think you said he had nine first downs or eight first downs in the second half. That's huge, keeping those drives alive. But also, despite obvious play calls and no help, he also was taking and giving some of those body blows that got everyone else open, bought the quarterback more time, all those other things that come from having the rushing attempts, even when the yards per carry mm-hmm. are not there. Uh, one final thing I want to talk about as far as Nagy's scheme, um, and I don't know if I'm crazy here, but one thing that seemed odd to me was there's plenty of plays where, hey, we've been running um, you know, a lot on first down. There's some tendency there. And there were like six people in the box. Like, all right, we have five dudes on the line, uh, plus at least one line linebacker. Sometimes they'd have five people in line and two in the uh, above them. So it's like, all right, seven people in the box. This is not good for like rushing. You know, somebody's going to be wide open, um, kind of outside. Uh, and they would not check out of the run. They would continue to play, and it would, like you know, you're sending Montgomery against a field goal unit, and it doesn't go well. Um, and that was. The case with Fields, which was understandable because this is his first time like playing in the NFL, basically. But it's weird to me that Dalton had quite a few of those. I uh, have written down here one. Um, let's see. Da-da-da. Sorry, my notes are all scuttered here. But, uh, yeah, there are a few just like bad reads. Um, they even had a, a, see, a second down, or so the first uh, down, second drive. Uh, there are five on the defensive line. Uh, they hard counted and showed a quarterback blitz and they stayed with the run anyway. So it's like, why are you hard counting? You're finding that out. So it's like, not only are all these people on the line, but a cornerback is dedicating themselves going to like, you know, yeah. that's where you check into a screen or something. Yeah, I agree that that definitely should happen from somebody like Dalton. I like, honestly, as much as we talked about it, that was why I thought he should be the starter early season is to make that decision. Not because he's the more talented quarterback, but mm-hmm. I was hoping with however many decade of experience, he could see that and go, Oh, screen pass. This is the audible where like Justin Fields doesn't quite have those reps. Um, and actually on that note, if you recall my atrocious guess of fields starting in week <laughs> eight, I believe is what I said. Um, my question to you is if Dalton wasn't hurt right now or quotes hurt right now, right? Do you think Fields would be getting this start this week? Oh man. Um 
Yeah, because let's see. So the offense was doing was doing okay with him in, right? I mean, one of the scores is uh, a pick six from Roquan, so it was kind of the same as before, like low yards per attempt, like respectable looking, but no points, which is the yeah. point of offense. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think. Uh, no, I, I think Dalton's still starting. I'm with you. you I, I actually think, like, pretty confidently, I would say Dalton's the starter this week if he's healthy. Not like you know hobbled knee. I'm saying like in an alternate universe where he didn't get hurt at all and he actually played most of the game, and Fields had his like you know five to ten snaps or whatever we were hoping for with his very like predetermined plays. I think Dalton was playing like good Dalton football. And I think he was, mm. I mean, like he, I think his quarterback rating for his play in that game was like a one twenty five or something crazy. It was, I mean, it was, it was <laughs> impressive. Um, very high completion percentage, mm-hmm. not a ton of yards, but uh, the touchdown. And uh, I will say also, I, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting this confused now, but I think it was, Dalton that had like a pretty big play that went for PI. So like, you know, obviously that doesn't count for yards now. So like he marched him downfield through the deeper pass, not completed, but you get the pass interference on it. And uh, so then, you know, it's one of those where it's like, that is as good as a 35 yard completion, but you get no yards. So, um, and he only played a little bit, but uh, yeah, I thought he played definitely well enough to keep that job. And he went one and one. Um, which is what I thought was going to happen. And I don't think with him playing as well as he played, they would have put Fields in for his first start against the Browns. Yeah. And so with that transition, so two things I want to talk about with Fields as far as what we can see improve during his playtime. Um, and one of them deals with kind of pass rush and the other deals with um, the kind of mechanics of reading, but starting with um, like pass rush. So during training camp, during practice, you've seen like, or you talked about previously how they have the red penny on, so you're not even allowed to touch them. Like, don't even breathe the same air as a QB uh, if you're a defender. So it's like, and that's every hard knocks episode, it's every video. It's like, do not touch the QB, and it's understandable. It's like their most important um, player in all of sports, and of course, for your own team. Um, but what is a disservice to them in that case is that you are not practicing like how to deal with um, throwing under pressure, like literal hands on you. And you're not practicing ball security with, um, you know, with defenders wrapped around you while you're trying to scramble or throw. And so I thought we saw that um, both, you know, pretty much every game with Fields so far is that he's a little bit loosey goosey, which is totally understandable um, with the ball. And so we've seen quite a few fumbles because he has it out while he's trying to make a play. And so I think that is one thing that is really going to improve because strictly because of NFL playing games that would not have improved during practice. I completely agree yeah, that like no matter how much you practice, you're not coming in week 10 with good ball security. Right. Agreed. Or the ability to really throw under immense pressure because you know, your head's not getting blown off. <laughs> right. And uh, the other one is just timing. Um, and that improves a little bit during practice, but um there are so many plays here where the timing was just a little bit off, and so Justin Fields' stat sheet was not great. But uh, if he had starter reps and he'd started that game, I think he would have had like three touchdowns. Like he, I'm with you. I, yeah, I, he he passed the eye test for a horrible stat sheet. Yeah, 
it, it is hilarious how bad his stat sheet is. I think he was, what, was he 5 for 13, 6 for 13, something like that? Yeah. Um, right. Maybe 6 for 13. Um, but yeah, or 5 for 12. But not an impressive completion percentage. <laughs> 60 yards, not impressive. Especially on 13 passes, so you're getting like 5 yards an attempt. I mean, we criticized Dalton for that in week one. Uh, oh, no touchdowns and a pick. That's not good. <laughs> Right. Uh, oh, and he got some penalties because he had those jitters. Yes. A couple of things I loved. I loved how after the penalty, instead of just freaking out, getting down on himself, whatever, he went straight to the official and said, what am I doing that's causing you to throw this flag Yeah. so I don't do it again? And then he didn't do it after the second time. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> he, he did it those two times, but then like he asked, I, I think he asked on the second one, not the first one. And then he corrected it. Like he's learning. Like yeah. that's something that the you know the added stress the added whatever caused some reaction cuz he's new to the NFL game and and they didn't like it and um he then you know was good after that and i also think we talked about this but first of all absolutely i agree not getting the starter reps not being the intended starter not getting like some flow with the guys and with coach getting ready for what the play calls are going to be. That was a huge piece of the added nerves added, you know, a little bit of like overexcitement. Mm-hmm. Um, add that to all of his incompletions. Basically I like, didn't see a throw that I was like, what the hell are you doing? Right. Like I think back to when Mitch was the quarterback and I was like, Ooh, that guy's open. Oh, we missed him by six yards. Yeah. Oh, that guy's open. Oh, that's way off. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like the throw was there. Right. Like even there was uh, like a comeback route that could have been pass interference that was like for like 15 or 20 yards to extend a drive. And like, I'm fine with the not. It was pretty close, but I think it was probably technically pass interference, which is way easier to call in slow motion, obviously. But like pass was on the money. Um, the pass to Mooney, which was just out of his hands was yeah. like, it's not a bad throw. Like you hit him in the hand. Yeah. Like it could have been caught. Um, and then he had Allen Robinson in his bread basket for a 40-yard touchdown. Like, we're talking about, like, some near, like, not crazy what-ifs. And all of a sudden, he has 130 yards and two touchdowns. And you're like, oh, that was really an impressive game where he had 10 yards in attempt and a couple of scores. And he misread one play. Like, he had one, didn't see the guy. Not an inaccurate throw, just didn't see the guy. Um on a really great defensive play call or really great defensive decision by that guy to back out of the play. But like outside of that, like you're looking at going, man, he lit this on fire and it really wasn't that far from happening like that. And that's what it looked like to me. Like my eye test was he played pretty well, even though the box score wasn't great. And I think most of that nerves type stuff was stepping in and, you know, even I think it was like in and out or, you know, like, Andy came. Did he? Did Andy come back in at some point after he got his knee checked out? I think he did. Yeah, for one drive. Yeah, good call. Right. So, like again, like you know, the the in out, the like, oh, I'm in. Oh no, no, he's fine. Oh no, I'm back in. Like it just was a lot, and I don't know. I think he handled it fine. He handled it like a rookie, which he handled it better than a rookie. So, um, I'm really excited to see what he looks like with a week's worth of rep uh, reps. What really scares me is that that game will not be against the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> It'll be against the Cleveland Browns, who are a really good football team. Yes, sir. That is going to be tough. And I do want to 
get down to our game predictions for that in a minute. But um, yeah, a few more things you touched on that I wanted to talk about. I actually almost laughed out loud. Actually, I did laugh out loud. Um, the play <laughs> you're talking about where um, the false starts were happening. And one of them was like, I think a shotgun that, yeah, Justin Fields had lined up with like both feet under him square ahead, like crouching. And he clapped what he thought was going to be the snap. And he starts leaning back and the snap doesn't come because he did the wrong snap count. And so then he's like, turning back, hey, hey, hey. And because as soon as you take a step, then it's a false start. But he's already shifted his weight to be behind him. So he's just slowly falling backwards, calling for the snap, being like, please don't let me get a false start here. And then, yeah, it didn't work out. But stuff like that. It's like, okay, that's that's rookie stuff that's not even going to be there a week from now, let alone you know a year from now. Um, but yeah, it's, again, yeah, all rookie stuff that is like, he played better than a typical rookie, and um, yeah, just a typical rookie stuff is going to be inconsistent reads, like inconsistent reaction to pressure, and uh, it's just great. Uh, it's great to see somebody who is so obviously talented, and um, all the red flags you do see, which I wouldn't even call them red flags, but all the things that were um, not quite ironed out were like very encouragingly fixable. It's like, hey... Yeah, snap count stuff, uh, maybe a couple of misreads, um, timing, but like, man, he's talented. <sighs> I I am with you on that. Yeah, let's see, I'm going through my notes here. Um, yeah, it was interesting actually. You you talked about Dalton going back in, and he like was so obvious, um, so obviously not right. Like you could see on his face, and he like, yeah he probably shouldn't have gone back in, but I totally understand why he would want to go back in. Like, oh my, this is the end for me. Like, if I don't go back in, like, I'm not getting back on this field. No doubt. That that was actually one of the things that did impress me about it. Like, like, like I told you before, like, he started the game great. He went through everything like he was supposed to. He treated it like he was, like, I'm QB1. This is my job. Mm-hmm. This is what I do. Fields is in while I'm getting my shit together. And now my shit's together. It's time for me to go back in the game. And it just wasn't right. But it's yeah. like he did everything he could to get back in the game. Yeah. So um, I respected that about what he did. Yeah, I almost nominated him for the uh, Mike Lennon Award for excellence and redheaded QB handing off the ball to the franchise savior. Um, he, he didn't get that one, but, uh, you know, maybe another time. Um, Pretty specific award. <laughs> sure is. <laughs> Uh, otherwise, a couple other random thoughts. Um, I thought the taunting rule was terrible, and I know the Bears weren't the only one to get bit by it, but I think it's really stupid that that is a rule that exists. Um, that rule was common all weekend, and I will say, if that's how the rule is going to be called, again, Bears players, get your act together. When I watched us do it, I was like, that is taunting, according to what I've seen called this season, and you blew it. Mm-hmm. Like, because one of them, I want to, God, I'm getting confused again, but I want to say the taunting call was on a drive was over, and then it, cre- like, and then the drive continued. Is that right? Was it yeah. on a third and, like, what would have been fourth down? Yeah, it was, yeah, because there was that taunting call extended drive, and then the, uh, bullshit hit on late hit yeah 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 so it's like yeah, so those two calls are extended to drives and did they get points on both i'm pretty sure i thought they did too and i was like god they're not scoring if we're not morons right, right. now like the first one was a three and the next one was a seven that's yeah. what it was that was how they got to 10 and then the turnover was the next seven there we go um yep yeah, that's insane yeah i mean like seriously 
it, yeah, that game's a shutout. Right. If they're not idiots <laughs> on those two plays, which is frustrating, but also kind of encouraging to be like, we we have it in us to play that caliber of a game, like shutout. Just mm-hmm. clean up that stuff, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I think it's gonna happen. I agree with you, but it's also crazy that just tiny lapses like that, all of a sudden it's 17 points. Yeah, football's crazy, <laughs> like man. That's, yeah. Um, okay, one more game that I want to play with you before we move on to uh, looking deep. Um, so I want to read off an average NFL stat line for 16-game season. Uh, so last year, the uh, average QB stat line was uh, 22 of 35, 22 completions for 35 attempts. Um, just under two touchdowns, um, it's 1.69, nice, uh, and 240 yards. So that was the average stat line for QB across 16 games, uh, you know, per game across 16-game season. Yep. Um, what stat line does Justin Fields need to get to break the Chicago Bears uh, rookie records? On a, on a per-game basis? Um, yeah, so I'm going to say, what does he need to do per game to get the season total beaten? Um, so okay. he already is an advantage because we're 17 game season, although he didn't start game one and two, but yeah, so that's a, that's a draw. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with, geez, Bears quarterbacks have been <laughs> so bad and so far below league average. I appreciate the league averages in there. Otherwise I would have been way higher than that because, <laughs> Uh, also, there, you know, I will ad- acknowledge that it's skewed. Like quarterbacks today are getting so much, and then right. now your stat was from last year, but like, you know, rookie quarterbacks are coming in and performing like pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, like Herbert was like a four thousand yard passer or something <laughs> like that as a rookie. He's incredible, man. But he's so good. Um, I'm gonna go with like fifteen completions. I don't know if you need attempts. Like, if you're looking for a percentage. Um, and, um, why don't you give me 10 uh, for kicks? How, how many? Yeah, yeah. I would say ballpark 15 of 30. So like 30. something like 50%, okay. which is significantly below league average <laughs> yep. for both completions and percentage. Uh-huh. And then I would go, man, I'm going to go under 200 yards instead of 240. Really? I'm going to go all the way as low as like 175. Uh, okay. And then I'm going to go. One and a half touchdowns. Every single stat is below the norm. Okay. Is there an interception line? Because I want to go over on that. One. I want to go worse <laughs> on every single one. Um, I don't have the interception. Nope, line that's here. fine. Also, Justin Fields won't do it anyway. So okay, he's going to be spectacular. <laughs> he's going to break every single good record this year. So these stats were given to us by uh, Reddit user uh, V Danger P, uh, posted on Chicago Bears subreddit actually earlier today. Um, so shout out to V Danger P. So the stat lines, you guessed uh, 15 of 30, 1.5 touchdowns uh, per game, 175 yards. Uh, the stat line that Justin Fields would need to beat is 13 completions per 35 attempts. Shut up. That's <laughs> so bad. That is so bad. Um, so league average, you said, was nearly 65%, 66%. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, twenty-two for thirty-five. And they've yeah. got to—he's got to go above forty percent. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> so you're saying he did that when he played terrible, or like when his box score was terrible this week? Right. He had a higher completion percentage. <laughs> and we're talking—that was him not playing with the starters. Like that was him not playing with the starters. That was with Allen Robinson dropping touchdowns, <laughs> and like, and he would like uh, two drops away from ten yards per attempt and. uh 
Yeah, and a 60% completion percentage. I mean, this is ridiculous. Yes. Um, so, yeah, 13 for 24. Uh, average. Oh, you said 35 or what? Uh, Wait, 13 for what on the... Oh, no, I'm sorry. 13 for 24. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, okay, okay. So I'm That's s- actually not as bad as I thought. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was 13 for 35, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, I... I uh, yeah, yeah. Looking at the, and then uh, averaging one touchdown. Okay, so I guess one and a half. Yeah, so, yeah. wow. A rookie record is 16 touchdowns or <laughs> right, something yeah. like that. Um, oh, my God. I think he's going to annihilate that. God, I would hope so. And final for yards, uh, league average is 240. You guessed 175. Um, to beat the rookie yard av- or, yeah, beat the rookie yard record, be 142 yards per game. Yep, yep. That's so bad. <laughs> yeah. So that's, you know, not even a 3,000 yard season. That's like 2,000 and change. But um, yeah. So that that's what we're dealing with. <laughs> so. So if he's not the best rookie we've had, this was a bad year. Yeah. This is like warning bells. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Well, I think that's all I really want to talk about with the position battle in the game. Um, yeah, I had a couple there. Uh, <laughs> I'll do one more for you. Uh, Sounds good. So, let's see. There were... So, obviously, we talked about last week how Kyle Fuller, we got rid of him to keep Jimmy Graham. Um, Kyle mm-hmm. Fuller played every snap against... Or played every snap on the Broncos last week because that's how... Having a all-pro cornerback works. Um, the Bears had 65 offensive snaps this week. How many snaps did Graham play? Out of 65? Yes, sir. Four? <laughs> I mean, he probably should have. Like The most notable play he had was a terrible busted block on a, a run option for Fields outside. Yeah, yeah, did, did he have a catch? He had no targets. Not even a, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's I didn't even know he was in the game. Yeah, he technically was on for almost a third of the snaps. He was on twenty two. Yeah, no, that yeah, that's still not. I mean, yeah. Okay, yeah. So I mean, sorry. That's that's what I felt like of his game, though. Yeah, for, I mean, he, he's worth, if that like just so trash. <laughs> he's like worse than worthless because he's taking a spot in the lineup of someone who could do something, but. Yeah, absolutely. Did uh, did you see the play I'm talking about? Is missed block? It was. It was, I did not. I think it was no. Kevin Fishbane. Somebody pointed out, but um, there's a gif of him where um, Fields is doing exactly what you're talking about, where he's forcing a, a defensive lineman to commit or outside linebacker. They're doing the run option. Uh, Fields keeps it, runs outside, um, and he has two tight ends out there, uh, Cole Komet and Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham outside wide to the left. Uh, Cole Komet is a little bit more inside. And they're both lined okay. up against cornerbacks. So Jimmy Graham, you know, six seven, whatever, uh, against like a five eleven cornerback. And uh Cole Komet pretty much blocks his guy, and Graham just gets burned like it's in like it doesn't even look like he's trying to block. And uh I do actually remember that now, <laughs> now that you described the play. Okay, yeah. So it's like in what should have been like yeah, it's fields out on the outside. The only people in his between him and the end zone are these four people, you know. Two quarterbacks and two tight ends. Like that, that should be a touchdown. Um, yeah, and it wasn't. It wasn't a touchdown. <laughs> so, yeah, no, he uh, he sucked. He 
sucks, man. I don't know what's going to happen with that spot. I know they had um, who was the training camp tight end that uh, Justin Fields made look like a respectable tight end because he's Justin Fields. Um, um, Jesse James, maybe. Maybe there was another one. Maybe I'm thinking of Game Three where he like had that one dude blow up for three touchdowns. Oh, yeah, JP J. Holtz. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I saw. But yeah, James too. Like. Yeah. Agreed. We'll see what their future holds, but dear God, like, why is Graham should be used in one thing only, which is like, oh, they have a short cornerback. Okay, send Graham out there in the end zone so he can stand up and throw a jump ball to him, and like, mm-hmm. otherwise he shouldn't be on the field. I don't know. Uh, I I completely agree with you there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a few random complaints about Nagy. Um, they called a timeout with Dalton because the play clock was like winding down. I thought it was dumb just because it seemed like Nagy thought they were going to get a delayed game penalty, but there's still like three seconds on the clock when Nagy called a timeout. It's like, what are you doing? Man? Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, I was going to say when you were talking about how he's getting play calls in so late, that's what I normally think of when he, when he does that kind of stuff is like how often we have to call timeout just because the play didn't right. come in. Like that's the most likely thing I remember. Right. Yeah, I agree there. Obi just look at what Pace has done with the monies involved and his drafts and his free agents. My God. And then take a look at Nagy. What the hell? Yep. Yeah. So I think uh, that's about all the insight I have. Um, anything you want to add about the game before we move on? Um, I'm trying to find, and I'm struggling. There was, my buddy texted me a while ago, and you made me think of it with um, your uh, Justin Fields rookie records for the uh, the Bears. It was before he was a starter, right? And uh, somebody, one of my buddies texted me what Vegas's prop bets were, or maybe it was like uh, DraftKings or whatever, and they were basically, um, you know, different like odds, like twenty to one, or you know, paying off at, you know, even money lines or whatever. And there was, and I I gotta find it because there were some predictions like uh, Khalil Mack will win Defensive Player of the Year, and it was going off on like at like ten to one or something, right? Or like the odds of him doing it, and um. And I don't remember exactly what the odds were, but there were so many prop bets on Justin Fields. Again, he is not named the starter at this point in time. This is in the preseason when he sent this over to me. But I want to say that Vegas threw out there that the like money line on what he will do for over/under on yards in the season was over three thousand yards. And then you and then you come tell me like like three thousand three hundred yards or something from Justin Fields, and it's like, oh well. 142 yards per game would do it. And it's like, that's not even in the ballpark. And this is just what they said when he's not even the starter yet. <laughs> like, oh my, like, how are we having this conversation that he's a nearly 4,000 yard passer? And it was like, the amount of touchdowns was crazy. Like all this stuff. If, if Vegas was even close, which Vegas is normally pretty good, he will break all of those records. And I was trying to find it and I was failing. <laughs> no, you're good, man. Yeah, so the touchdown record, single season touchdown record for the Bears 
It was uh, 29 touchdowns by Eric Kramer, uh, I yeah. think in 95, which would be 1.8 touchdowns per game in a 16-game season, which is right around average these days in the NFL. What we say it was uh, yeah, 1.69 or something. So, yeah, it's like a slightly above average season by today's standards is the Bears' all-time record by like kind of a lot. Um, by passing yards is also Eric Kramer, if I if I'm seeing this correctly, is uh, 3,800 yards, um, which nowadays is pretty routine still. Yeah. Um. So, what was uh, what was that uh, total yardage thing for a rookie though? Oh yeah, let's see here. So, the let's see. You're looking at uh, 142 yards per game to beat beat the uh, Bears rookie QB record. And that'd be times, what, like 15 at this point? Yeah, I guess so. So that's 2,000 yards. (laughs) An article that I just pulled up from May, again, long before he was a starter and after he was committed to be the backup. Mm Mm-hmm. The the over under on that site from that time was three thousand yards. <laughs> it's, it's insane. That's awesome. Like, yeah, I mean, people think he's going to be so much better than any rookie we've ever had. <laughs> I mean, do you? I do. It's not even close. Like, easily the best we've ever had. I I think he will break every. Unless he gets hurt, I think he will break every rookie record that we have. That's great, man. Oh, I think I found it. Here it is. Okay, so this is on Windy City Gridiron. Prop bets over under set for the Bears. Okay? So that stat uh, that you shared with me is the Bears rookie record is in the ballpark of 2,100 yards. Okay? They're over under, when was this published? September 2nd. Okay, so this one was from three weeks ago before he's the starter. He's the named backup, okay? Justin Fields over over, under passing yards is 3,350. Wow. Well (laughs) over 1,000 yards over. Wow. Wow. What he was supposed to be. <laughs> um, they do have, so they had Khalil Mack. I had it at 10 to 1. They had it at 14 to 1. So it was not a horrible guess. They have the Bears winning the Super Bowl at 90 to 1. Eek. Um, our over under on the wins, they only have us at 7.5. I feel like that's a little conservative considering they think that Justin Fields and uh, Khalil Mack are going to light the world on fire. Yeah, those seem like um, add on to each other. But what do I know? They do. <laughs> Um, yeah, over under on Justin Fields starts was 13 and a half because they thought Andy was going to go three and a half games. But anyway, uh, yeah, so the big ones there, I just was looking and thought it was so funny that it was, yeah, 3,350 yards for a rookie here that's not even the starter. <laughs> um, yeah, and to your point, like, not that far away from the actual franchise record not just what a rookie does but like the most any quarterbacks done that's so ridiculous yeah um so as a point of reference against the rams andy dalton threw uh it was 36 for 49 um the bears 
single season record for completions was Jay Cutler with 370 completions, which is 24 and a half completions per game. So just the Rams game, which was not even that good of a game. Andy Dalton, if he'd kept that up, would have been on pace to break. Um, oh, crush. <laughs> yeah. So, and I know there's more to it than just completions. Uh, the completion percentage leader for the Bears in the season is Mitch Trubisky in 2020, which was a terrible passing year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm, like, trying to live in the moment, just like, all right, don't look ahead. But then I'm also like, dude, this guy's going to crush it all. He's going to break every record. It'll be fun when he does. Ah, oh, man. This is cool. Um, well, I guess with that, we can uh, move on to uh, some hot takes and some projections ahead, huh? Sounds great. All right, man. Well, there were the fan band. Why don't you... Uh, <laughs> okay, before we go into looking deep, um, going deep, uh, I want to hear some hot takes. Coach Bob... It doesn't have to be just the Bears, although I have a few that are. Um, but do you have anything that you're like, you know what? I kind of think this, even though it sounds crazy. Um, you go first. I got to think for a second. Okay. So I have one Bears one and one non-Bears one. But my Bears one is that Darnell Mooney is going to have a better season than Allen Robinson. That is a big take. Um. I don't know how I feel about that. I think Darnell Mooney does thrive more with Justin Fields um, because of the deep ball. Mm. Yeah. I I, so I, I like that call. And cool. And I think they're definitely hand-in-hand hand there. Yeah. And uh, it could be, I mean, you know, Justin Fields hasn't played with the ones basically at all because they didn't let him be a one in training camp and he didn't play for his week. So, who knows if once they start to add that chemistry up, then he'll start trusting Allen Robinson to do more 50-50 balls. Although my concern with Allen Robinson is his days of being that kind of possession receiver might be behind him. Um, and so, I don't know. Darnell Mooney offers a lot more speed, and uh, he seems to have a connection. Um, I mean, that yeah, that one ball was like just off his fingertips. That's three inches more um, shallow, or if he throws this a little bit early, stuff like that, that's huge, you know, so... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the other high... I like that. I like that. All right. Yeah. The other high tech I have, and this is even more out there, uh, but so we know there's a, a pretty good uh, or pretty highly touted QB class. Trevor Lawrence was the number one overall pick and was touted as a generational QB since, like, I don't know, since he was like 18 years old. Uh, Justin Fields fell to us, but there was also... Um, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance were all one, two, three. Is that right? Yep. And then Mac Jones was fifteen to the Patriots. There we go. So my hot take is that Trevor Lawrence doesn't wind up in the top three QBs of his class. Like you know, as far as QB individual stats and career, like I think he, yeah, five years from now he's not even in the top three. Ooh, five years from now. Yep. I will say five years from now, I think he is in the top three, mm. but this year he's not. Okay. Um, I think this year Justin Fields will be number one of the rookie class. Um, and I I am saying that as somebody that's watched some of those five play in the NFL. And I think that for a fair number of those teams, uh, 
like Zach Wilson is never going to have a chance. Oh, you don't think so? No, no. Like playing for the Jets as bad as they are, or like Jacksonville as bad as they are. Like I think those guys are going to be an uphill battle. I think Mac Jones will look pretty good because he's playing in New England, mm-hmm. and I think he will, you know, do the little things pretty well and do what he needs to do, and he'll be well prepared because of Belichick. I think that Justin Fields will be the standout number one quarterback of the rookie year. All right, and I am not sure that he will for the whole career. But obviously, I would love it. I think this yeah. year, he he will be the number one rookie quarterback. Okay. Yeah. And I know we keep going back to our Frankenstein QB segment, which if you're listening and didn't listen to that episode, we were talking about if we were to break down a QB by part, like look at the legs, look at the arm strength, look at the accuracy, look at decision making, and we're to pick the greatest attribute from any QB you have ever seen in a Bears uniform, who do you assemble? And basically, every single part... Uh, is Justin Fields. Like he, He's the fastest QB. He has one of the biggest arms, if not the biggest. He statistically was the most accurate QB in college um, of like almost ever. Like He's super accurate um, and definitely the most accurate college QB the Bears have drafted. Uh, he has a low interception ratio, and uh, I know he threw one last week, but I don't think that kind of stuff can continue. I think he is fearless, but he also makes good decisions. Like He is... Outrageous, smart. I know you talked about that uh, kind of that, football. Like, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we're talking about that. Um, yeah, I'm, man, I'm so high on him too. Uh, what part of my hot take there is that when I saw Trevor Lawrence in college, and I, I saw he was like, you know, uh, a good QB for that system that obviously won a lot of games, but he was coached specifically to do like one read and then run because he's such a good athlete. Um, by college standards. Um, but, like, I don't know. I saw Justin Fields do more full field reads than Trevor Lawrence did. And not only is that not helpful, that kind of one read and run, that is actively, like, he has to unlearn that now. And uh, I haven't seen the kind of full field read patience in the pocket that you'd expect from a number one QB, let alone a generational prospect that he's supposed to be. And then he's, yeah, in that bad situation you've talked about, with uh, Urban Meyer or whatever, who like has never yeah. coached in the NFL, like it's such a train wreck. It's a bad. It's expectations upon expectations that are not going to be met, and I think he, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to happen with him. Yeah, I, I will say, like, not just as a Bears homer, I thought that Justin Fields was the best quarterback in the draft, Me and too. I thought I thought that nobody would pass Lawrence out of fear of criticism. Mm-hmm. but that they should for Justin Fields. When I watched the Clemson-Ohio State game, I watched Justin Fields just be better at every part of the position than Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence looked like the second you pressure him, he is a bad quarterback. Not <laughs> right. like a tolerable, tolerable quarterback, a bad quarterback. And I understand it's hard to play the position under pressure, but like you can't go to that bad. Like Justin Fields had some pressure in this last game. And he didn't do like excellent, but he scrambled pretty well and he made things work and he ended up getting the first down that iced the game. Like he did enough to win. Like I am not convinced that Trevor Lawrence can do that. I will, I will take that hot take you made and I will go one step further and say that Justin Fields is offensive rookie of the year. Ooh, okay. Um, 
one tangent. I know we have to wrap up. We're running long here, but yes. Um, <laughs> sorry. So, one more game I want to play. Uh, name me your three uh, best QBs drafted the last um, since 2017. Let's say three quarterbacks since then. Yeah, like the best best ones in the past. Whatever that is, five years. Okay, I'm gonna leave Watson off just because of the sexual assault stuff. Sure. Um, but I'm gonna go. Patrick Mahomes is number one. Okay, and doesn't have to be super like set in stone, just like off the off the cuff. Yeah, like, off eh. the cuff. Yeah. Um, man, uh, I'm gonna go with Herbert too. Oh, okay. I'm I'm, I'm not sure who I'm forgetting here. I don't know who else is super young. Who no, else is in this ballpark for me? Um, like Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson or. Oh, I'd go. I'd go Kyler Murray, then Justin Herbert, and that'd be my one, two, three. Okay. I think Lamar Jackson is below those three. Gotcha, gotcha. In That's my fair. mind, even yeah. though he's got an MVP. And so I guess Justin Herbert's a good one, and kind of undermines the point I was going to make. But uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's it. He is he had the best rookie season maybe ever. Um, but so Mahomes is six foot three. Uh, Lamar Jackson is like normal height. Um, yeah. And then Kyler Murray is like hilariously short. Um, yeah, he's like five ten. Yeah, but uh, which I doubt he's actually five ten. Right. Um, <laughs> but uh, I I do know that that is what is listed on his stat sheet. Like, okay, buddy. Like, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Uh, but every draft profile I see of Trevor Lawrence, one of the things they mention is how he has good size. And I guess Justin Herbert is an example of a tall QB who's done excellently, but. It's like almost every other QB is like average height that does really well. And it's like, is there any, I guess in theory, if you're tall, you can look over the line and have good vision. But we've seen a lot of tall QBs not have good vision because actually, oh, it turns out what's between the ears is more important than how high it stands. So um, I don't know. It's like, I feel like Trevor Lawrence gets overrated or gets like pushed up because he looks like the part so much, but it's like, man, does height even matter now in the modern NFL where we have like spread offense concepts? And Yeah, I would say in the modern NFL, that is an interesting trend that's happening. And with how much more mobile they are, um, I would say, and this sounds really bad because we've mentioned it three times on this episode, but when you say he looks the part, I think you mean beyond tall as well, which is really yeah. unfortunate. Um, but yeah, the only quarterback that I can think of that like really comes to mind is like, oh, he's good and he's tall and like... Not not the only good tall quarterback, but like the first quarterback that comes to my mind of like, boy, is that quarterback everything. His name is Peyton Manning and he is tall. So, <laughs> uh, but he could see over the line and he had it between the ears. And I think yep. he could manage a spread offense and all that stuff just fine. But yes, sir. Um, he, he was also a generational first overall talent. So Yes, sir. Okay, well, for those of you still listening, appreciate it. We know this one's going on long, but my God, the Justin Fields era has started, and there's a lot to talk about. Uh, so we're going to wrap up here with Going Deep, where we look ahead and see what we think is going to happen. Bear with the fans, band, hit me. Okay, Coach Bob, the Bears are slotted to play the Cleveland Browns, a team that we have uh, avoided talking about basically this whole uh episode because the defensive line is terrifying um what do you think is going to happen i don't like making this prediction since i've been pretty spot on so far and uh i think the defensive line of the cleveland browns is going to expose and humiliate 
the Bears' offensive line. Oh, no. I think it's going to make it very difficult for David Montgomery. I think it's going to make it a very difficult debut for Justin Fields. One of my hot takes was going to be a single-game hot take, and that will be that even though Justin Fields will have a tough stat line because he will be under constant pressure, he will have two major off-the-cuff huge plays that result not necessarily directly in touchdowns, but field flipping that results in a touchdown or a big play touchdown. So I'm calling two touchdowns on a overall rough day for Justin Fields. And I'm ready to throw the score at you if you want. Because of those two touchdowns, we will lose 28 to 17. Mm, Okay. 28, 17. You have been damn, damn said the past two weeks. Um, you know, I was so close. I should have gotten last week. Damn it, Eddie. Why didn't you tackle? Um, okay, <laughs> I could see that. I'm trying to think here. I'm pulling for the uh, Bears optimist in you to tell me that we win this game. Because you're, you, you've gone Bears twice. <laughs> the thing is, there, there's reason for optimism. Independently of me just always picking the Bears. Um and, yeah, nobody look at my track record for picking QBs when I talk about how Justin Fields is going to be the best in his class. I think there is reason for optimism, and one thing that's going to be in our favor is I think Odell Beckham is not playing this week. Uh, I agree. I think Nathers yeah, Landry. So right? that is going to be very favorable for the secondary, which is our weakest unit of the defense right now, at least definitely in the nickel spot. So that's going to help a lot. So I think it's going to be a lower-scoring game. So I, what do I think is going to happen? I'm going to go 18-17 Bears. <laughs> Look at you. Way to get it done. Get it done. You know what's amazing about that is we have almost the same Bears. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, I also am slightly curious how we're getting to 18. Let's see. I'm yeah. looking forward to I... it. We're, we're missing... I think they're going uh, to do a two-point conversion at some point with uh, Fields. Look at you. Yeah. That's how it goes. Okay, so basically we're going, oh, God, wouldn't it be cool and very Matt Nagy of him if we scored a touchdown late in the game to tie against a maybe hypothetically right. superior opponent and went for two to win God, the game on the spot? Like you're sitting down 17-10, score, and then go for two to end the game. That'd be I. I would be so happy to be yeah. wrong on my prediction. If oh, you're especially correct on with that. fields, like you could do an option, like we're talking about, like oh, you would actually yeah. just roll him out and then run pass option. He would pump fake Hell and yeah. go in and win the game. And then I would burn my house. <laughs> um, I know this is a Bears podcast and we have to go. But did you see the Ravens game this past week? The um, I think it was Thursday night or no Monday night, whatever. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, like it's not Thursday yeah. yet. It was Sunday night, um, wasn't it? Yes, it was the Sunday night game. The Monday night game was uh, somebody else. It was Green Bay. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the Ravens-Chiefs game where it came down. It's like a fourth down. And they're like, hey, we're on our own 20, but we're facing Mahomes. Uh, And then the play call is just like um, the coach running out and be like, hey, Lamar. Hey, you want to go for it? Okay. Oh, yeah, you want to go for it? Oh, then you should do that because you're the best player <laughs> right. on our team. And they totally do, because earlier they had a two-point conversion call that was the opposite of what we're talking about, where they had them do like a bootleg rollout pass without any play action or anything to the short side of the field. It's like, dude, you're taking away all the 
good parts of Lamar to make him throw into a crowd. So um, I know. I'm glad they made that change. I hope yep. Nagy watched that and he's like, all right, this is how you win a football game. So that's how it's going to be. I agree. Mm-hmm. All that said, Mahomie still like put him in position to win the game and they just <laughs> fumbled it away. Uh, I I enjoy watching that guy not win, to be honest. But Oh, no, I, I, I'm with you. He's, he's just very really good, good at football. Oh, Anyway, okay. Uh, do you have anything you want to say about this game before we move on? No, I think we are good. Okay. Um, anything you want to plug before we give our typical? I'd say give me the tickle. I mean, typical. <laughs> I always do. Um, so, <laughs> if <laughs> this is where we plug, um, recommend getting the COVID vaccine, the COVID-19 vaccine. If you haven't already, the CDC has a uh, toll-free number you can call whenever you want, one 800 CDC info two three two four six three six. It's available whenever, and they will answer any questions you have about the COVID nineteen vaccine. We encourage you get it. You could be saving the life of someone close to you. Otherwise, I want to thank you for listening, and see you next time on Bear Weather Fans. <laughs>